0: do boy did I- Ladies and
1: gentlemen, episode 51 of the ASN podcast. We are in the latter half of the top 100 of episodes now, finally. Dan Tracy, it's been a little bit of, it's been a little bit of time. It's been a little bit. The first, the first thing I want to ask you, well, two questions. One is, of course, how are you? And the second one was, how was your holiday experience last week? We're recording this on Saturday, December 2nd, so... A little bit more than a week after Thanksgiving.
2: Yeah, well, I, I'm good. I'm well. You know, I enjoy the Christmas season. I enjoy the Christmas season, so I'm all good and well. Um, Thanksgiving was great. Nothing to complain about. Good food, um, family time. So I'm. Um, uh, it was all good. I, I'd like to know about your Thanksgiving. It
0: uh, it,
1: it was good. I I was a little bit of a. Uh... A journeyman on that day I went to uh, my fiance was working and in turn I tried to work on that day but I have odd flex but I have too many overtime hours to get the <laughs> to get the holiday so I got denied the sign up so I was like all right well we'll see what I did I went to my future mother-in-law's house for a little while I went to my aunt's house on my dad's side of the family and then I went to my aunt Uh, on my mom's side of the family so a lot of family a lot to drink in I had a splitting headache after the day was over
2: you went on a whole free agent tour
1: I (laughs) I did I I did a lot of interviews I did yeah I I did some I don't know who I'm going to sign with but uh (laughs) I mean it was it was good you know I, I just I love being around family like it doesn't even matter what the what the occasion could be I to me, I feel like I'd love to see my family m- more than just holidays, but you know, everyone's got their own stuff going on, of course. Yep. But yeah, you know, it, it was a good time. And then Black Friday shopping, of course, we mentioned this before. Uh, we, we we talked for like twenty minutes before we we started, as we always do, uh, when Black Friday shopping. Love the fact that I can get all my Christmas shopping done on one day. It's it it's like such a liberating feeling having no shopping to do once you enter the month of december
2: i can see the weight lifted off your shoulders i i'm, I'm floating like on air right shopping. now i don't know
1: if you can tell i don't know if it's the stomach virus or the fact that i want to throw up right now but i feel like i'm floating on air
2: so. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll leave it at that
1: yeah I, I no backstory of the whole <laughs> the, the whole stomach virus or anything we're, we're we're good we don't need to talk about that but you know, there's something that we discussed when we, we wanted to, it's been a little bit of a challenge the past ten days or so to get a a recording date, of course, as as it usually is. Dan was uh gallivanting as usual. I was, you yeah. know, gallivanting as well. Uh working a lot too, you know. I my my job takes me into certain hours that I have no idea what the hell is going on throughout the course of the day. But so we're here now and we wanted to talk about something for quite some time since Frank Reich got fired from the Carolina Panthers. there is There could be a tremendous amount of turnover for the NFL head coaches this year, this this offseason. So we kind of wanted to gauge in terms of the hotness of the seat. We want to mention a few names. We want to throw a few names out there for some teams. And we want to talk about this the situation. And, you know, the first situation I think we should talk about, because we are Jets fans, is, you know, it's a pretty good time in New York sports right now. The Mets suck, but they have a rich owner that likes to spend money, so that's cool. The Yankees have a rich owner that doesn't like to spend money, so that's cool as well. Uh, you know, The Knicks are a perennial playoff team almost every year now. The Rangers are the top team in the, in the NHL for the most part. And then we fall on the New York Jets. And we fall on this team that consistently gives us blue balls every single year. Uh, and hope for you know a resurgence if you will and then you know the whole Rodgers thing kind of put a whole damper on the season before it even really began but 4 and 3 we were after 7 games and and it was looking it was looking good and you know a, a bunch of dominoes fell throughout the season and and now we're sitting at what 4 and 7 probably going to be 4 and 8 after tomorrow after a, a 13 to 9 loss to the Atlanta Falcons tomorrow probably you know a lot of Jets fans are conflicted on the Robert Sala situation. Does he stay? Does he go? Is he basically playing a free season? Is he is he coaching a free season this year because he has the Aaron Rodgers excuse to fall back on? So I want to get your thoughts on the Sala situation and how hot or cold do you think his seat is?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I'd, I'd be surprised if they if they moved on. I think so. They they asked Aaron Rodgers about you know what his thoughts on. But like, would, would it change your mind about coming back if, you know, if Sala and Joe Douglas aren't here? And he, he kind of gave a diplomatic answer. He didn't really, he didn't really lean either way. He said he thinks the the right pieces are in place, but you know, that's, that's not the most ringing endorsement. Um <laughs> But I, I think that's more because he doesn't want to look like he's interfering. In fact, I think he said something along the lines Which he that, that, he like that he him. didn't, that he didn't want to like, you know, sound like he was in the middle of these decisions, even though he probably is. Yeah. Um. I, I, it's hard to imagine Robert Sala going anywhere, and um, you know me personally. I, I'm I'm still kind of pro Robert Sala. I, I think a lot of people. I've come on here and I bashed him about like lying to us about saying Zach Wilson is improving or saying that you know he has to be the, the starting quarterback. The more I look at it, the more I or the more I listen to him, the more I kind of think that's not really his call. Even though I think he could he could phrase these these things better, I really do think that it's more of a Uh, a front office mandate to keep playing the guy who was drafted second overall, give him a shot. Obviously he's no longer the starter, but at the time I think that's what it was. Um, But, you know, I, I, I noticed Jets fans, of course, Jets fans complain about everything they can. Um, it's, It's hard to blame. It's hard to blame them. It's hard to blame us for complaining when the team loses 14 straight years. But you notice there's really not a lot of complaints about, Robert Sala's in-game decisions. I mean, that that's kind of like the one consistent thing. Of course, once in a while, sure. But there's there's if people could complain about him his coaching decisions in game, I feel like they would. You don't hear a whole lot about that. It's more about what he says in the press conferences and and things like that, or just the team's record, which yeah, obviously is not good. They haven't. They just finished no loss, uh, no win November. But they haven't won since October 29th. And Believe of course. It or
1: not, that's the worst type of November. Yeah, it's so. the
2: worst type of November. And so everybody's going to complain uh, when, you know, about everything when, when they're losing. I mean, I've seen I've seen Garrett Wilson get hit with criticism. I've seen I saw Sauce get hit with criticism after the, the loss to the Bills. I, I don't think Robert Styles is the problem. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I think the biggest issue he's had is hiring offensive coordinators. Obviously, Mike LaFleur didn't work out. I'm not sure Hackett was all about. Robert Sala I mean, making the decision, more about Rodgers. Obviously that hasn't worked out and that's important part of his job uh, in game decision-making and, and keeping the team motivated. I, do, I think he's done pretty well. So I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think really Aaron Rodgers has, has any intention of, of forcing the team to find a new coach, mm-hmm. but I would like to hear, I'd like to hear what you think about Robert Sala because I feel like I'm almost now in the minority mm-hmm. being in favor of, of Robert Sala.
1: You know, for me, I feel like this is a multi-layered issue when it comes to the New York Jets. And that's not even trying to sound funny because everything is a multi-layered issue when it comes to the Jets. But I think the people that should be under fire or or under criticism. Listen, when you talked about Salah's in-game decisions and keeping the team motivated, it's got to be hard to keep a team motivated when your team could barely score a touchdown on offense, but he does a good job. He does. I don't know what he says in those locker room meetings, but the, the, especially the defensive side, I don't really even care about the offensive side because obviously they're trying to score the defense, keeping the defense motivated is, is key for me. And he does a really good job of that. They come, they play hard every single week, week in and week out. Uh, you know, is time management, maybe timeout management is, is a little under fire for me. I feel like that's just a common theme with jets coaches. Like Todd Bowles was terrible at that too. Rex Ryan was never great at that either. It's just a common theme with them. I don't know what it is. I think Joe Douglas is someone that needs to a- answer a lot
0: of questions. Um, I yeah. wouldn't be completely upset if he was fired. Uh, I think
1: that Joe Douglas came in with a lot of hype, and we've given him the benefit of the doubt on a lot of things. Now, granted, you might argue, yeah, you know, he was the one that basically built this defense. True. Very true. He came in as an offensive specialist, as an offensive line guru, and under under his watch, the Jets' offensive line has been caca since he's been the general manager. I don't think that's grounds for being fired, but I I think he needs to answer a lot of questions. And I just said I don't I don't I wouldn't bat an eye if he was fired, but I don't think it's going to happen. Same thing with Salah. I think his seat is pretty cold for the most part. Uh, my issue is I think that e- when either one of these guys are fired or both at the same time, there's going to be an internal investigation on the New York Jets. I think that a lot of these decisions and a lot of these poor choices are coming from upper management. We saw that kind of sort of with the whole Zach Wilson thing. A lot of guys bit their tongue. They didn't really want to say anything. Uh, I'm thinking that the Woody Johnson connections with Zach Wilson's family have something to do with him starting as many games as he did. I think there's going to be a lot of drama that comes out of that when these guys eventually are free to speak their mind. So I think we're in for a whole world of crap after these guys are eventually fired. But as of right now, I think the guy who's on the hotter seat when it comes to the Jets organization is probably Joe Douglas, not Robert Sala. Yeah. And, you know, I like I said, neither of those guys are going to be fired. I think if they make a change, it's probably going to be. Nate Hackett but I don't think that he will because Aaron Rodgers is going to be coming back see that's the thing all these coaches and all these personnel decisions all fall under the umbrella of well Aaron Rodgers got hurt four games into the season like that's so you know at the same time even though we know some of that is a crock of shit and let's be honest with you Aaron Rodgers probably would have gotten hurt this season anyway (laughs) with the offensive line that the Jets have it's kind of a bulletproof argument it really is because like they could turn around and be like, well, what did you expect us to do? Oh, you could have turned around and you could have traded for Josh Dobbs or some backup quarterback that was probably going to suck behind the Jets offensive line. Yeah. Okay. But we've invested so much in the quarterback position already. We really don't want to do that. And I honestly give those guys credit for sticking to their guns. That's what they said after Aaron Rodgers got hurt. They basically said, listen, we've invested a lot in the quarterback position. We're riding out with Zach Wilson for the most part. And I, I appreciate the fact they stuck to their guns on that. I mean, I appreciate that aspect, not the actual play, but, you know, I, I, I think their hands were really tied and they are just trying to, this, the whole problem with the Jets season was that this was the most hyped I've ever been for a Jets season. This, you could argue that the team that the Jets have right now on paper, or at least when everyone was healthy, was probably the, the best Jets team in history. Like, I, I honestly think that that could be an argument. So you're kind of fending off really angry fans, not at the coaches in general, just at the situation. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like we're all angry because the Jets suck because someone got injured four games into the season. So I think, you know, once the season is over, we kind of, you know, season overview, it really wasn't the coaching staff's fault what they could really have done. But next year is, is, is obviously it for them. Like if, if Aaron Rodgers comes back and he plays and the Jets miss the playoffs, seven and 10, eight and nine, you gotta easily clean house.
2: Right. Especially I mean, especially with the GM role. You know, if he comes back and he's not protected, well, yeah. well that, you know, that's an issue. Or or if Garrett Wilson is the only competent receiver that he has, that that's an issue. And it's a Joe Douglas issue. Um yeah, I think I think the Joe Douglas question is an interesting one because, you know, you'll you look at it and on one hand, some of these moves this offseason were terrible. You know, Alan Lazard terrible cj uzama last year very bad um but then you know the 2022 draft i mean that could go down as one of the best ever um and then you could also look at it as like well you know lazard was was a rogers thing and maybe things would be different if rogers is throwing to him obviously he found some success in green bay he was an undrafted receiver who rogers really worked with so it really does all come down to like well you know we don't have the quarterback we thought we would um but at the same time this team was seven and four last year with Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco and Mike White, who got that seventh win. Um, different schedule. You know, the way the schedule was set up this year, the beginning was really, really tough. And the end is more of the soft spot. And now we we can't even take advantage of it because there's really no shot. Um, so I understand the situations are different. But, you know, I think it's reasonable to expect a better performance than last year. I think the difference is what was a not very good offensive line last year has become a disastrous offensive line Worst and that's enough league. to throw off the entire offense. You know, the offense wasn't good last year, but it was competent at times. And it's just not the case this year with any quarterback. But um we can move on to to other coaches. In fact I, I think you know we could we could keep it in the AFC East and turn it ah, build. You a read my track. mind,
1: Dan. I know exactly who you're gonna talk I about. I think that.
2: that's a good it's a good direction to go here. With a, a team that actually is less successful than the Jets, less interesting. Maybe even more offensively inept, although that's debatable. <laughs> I'm
1: not going to lie. Before we get into this, I thought that we were going to talk about the Buffalo Bills. So that's a team that we're. Oh we uh, well, no, we do.
2: Back. I think we do have to hit. This is but, the AFC East is the rare division where there's three coaches we got to talk. Yeah, about. Yeah,
1: I think Mike Daniel should Mike McDaniel should be fired too. Actually, no, not really. But uh, fired
2: and hired by the Jets. Yeah, yeah
1: that would be great. Honestly, honestly, he'd probably still. I mean, the Jets just cursed anyway. Uh, the Patriots. I think.
0: So in terms of the seat temperature, I guess we could could say, I really don't think
1: Bill Belichick is hot at all. I think that this is already a done deal, that this is his last year. So first of all, Robert Kraft, say what you want about him and the Asian hookers and whatever it may be, that scandal. I think Robert Kraft is a very classy owner that respects people that, that made his team successful. All these reports that you know, oh, Bill Belichick might get fired after week 10, not gonna happen. Bill Belichick could have won 0-17. Robert Kraft is not going to yeah. fire Bill Belichick. It wouldn't Belichick make any sense him. at all. Wouldn't yeah, make I mean, yeah. one, it wouldn't make any sense. Two, let's be real. I mean, maybe Brady was more of the factor than Belichick. The guy won you six championships yeah. as the coach. Like he commands respect. It's yeah. not he deserves. I it.
2: mean, most of the time you win one and you get treated like that. Like, yeah. like, you know, Pete Catholic got fired. Sean McVay is never going to get fired, yeah. Yeah, you know, unless they like you know go out and, and kill somebody, I uh, you know they've <laughs> they've earned that right. And so yeah, winning, winning six. I mean, I, I yeah. can't imagine
1: he could probably Robert. go open seventeen for three straight years, and he would probably and he'd probably yeah. be okay. But, but I, I
2: do think Robert Kraft is getting frustrated. With yeah, absolutely,
1: absolutely. Like you know, you can't love that. You can't live off the past. The NFL is an extremely what have you done for me lately league. You can't be like oh well you know. We won those six championships and then it's like, well, you know, you're parading Matt Jones and Bailey Zappy out there. Like yeah, those days are long gone, partner. But I don't think his seat is hot because I think the deal is already done. I think that we know that after the season is over, Bill Belichick will be moving on from the New England Patriots.
2: Yeah, I I would expect the same. It just seems like and it does seem a little a little uh, two-sided two-sided instead of Belichick saying, "Well, you know, I'm it's my time, and, yeah, you know, we got to move on. I, I do think I, th- there's been a lot of smoke over the last year about how Robert Robert Kraft kind of saw this as a pivotal year for the franchise, for Belichick, and obviously two and nine is not where they want it to be. You know, you could talk about, well, you know, well, they, they don't have the roster. Well, that's Bill Belichick, too. You know, like we talked about this on here, that he's, you know, if anything, you should give up GM duties because the drafting has been poor be. They have not added offensive weapons. The ones they have have been a disaster. You know, john o. Smith did not work out at all. Juju Smith Schuster was never going to be the answer to their receiving core. Jacoby Myers would have been a better, you know, better off.
0: Just hey, money too. Back.
2: So it, 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 it's it all falls on Bill Belichick when you have a, a setup where he's GM and coach. So two and nine, obviously, uh, complete disaster compared to where they wanted to be. Losing Matt Judon and Christian Gonzalez is not alone. Uh, enough of a factor to to bring them from two and nine to wherever they want it to be. So this is a flawed roster. You know, you could argue that the coaching is not the best either, because you know you're losing to a team like the Giants, where even even in a worst case scenario, you you probably shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think Robert Kraft is kind of going to push him out the door a little bit, but I don't think Bill Belichick will resist at this point. I think I think the bigger question is. You know, how will it happen? Will it be like the night of the final game of the season? Will they let him get a will they let him get a send-off and maybe announce it before? Um, you know, and and maybe will Bill Belichick coach next year? Because I, I've seen a few of those rumors. I don't really know how true they are. But, you know, he seems like a guy who might want to coach until he dies. And uh or you know, he may wanna go out with a on a higher note than this, and he saw Tom Brady move on from New England and find success. You know, will he will he try to do the same thing and, and go somewhere? Um, and, you know, us talking about how many coaching openings there could be. Well, there might be an opportunity out there. You know, it's not a situation like last year where it's like, well, you know, Houston and Carolina and Indianapolis. And and then yeah, there's that. Options. Right. Like there might be a few options uh, I I don't know what he's looking for, but you know Justin Herbert might need a coach. I was
1: just going to say I got something in mind, maybe Josh Allen. For...
2: You know I, I I don't know. We could we could we could dive into that right now if we want to talk about the Bills.
1: I, I think we should. Because... You know,
2: so let's move on to the Bills, where Sean McDermott is. You know he's he's got a great reputation, but they're six and six, and they're losing a lot of games against good teams.
1: There's questions that have to be asked. I'm a big I'm a big questions before fire guy because yeah. I I I think. Sean McDermott has done enough to say the Bills say the Bills go 8 and 9 this year. Now I know that might sound crazy, but look at the remaining schedule that the Bills yeah. have. It's very very possible. So, say the Bills go 8 and 9 this year, they miss the playoffs. That's a question year for Sean McDermott. It's like, "Hey, listen. You better get us back to where we were beforehand or you're gone." So, that's a hot seat. Like, I think his seat, his seat is starting to warm up a little bit. I don't think he'll get fired this year regardless of of how good or bad the Bills do the rest of the season. But I think he will be entering, because let's face it, I don't think the Buffalo Bills are winning the Super Bowl this year. So unless he wins the Super Bowl, he's entering next year as a do-or-die year as the head coach of the the Buffalo Bills. Enough is enough to the point where it's almost like, I feel like Sean McDermott, to a lesser standpoint, is like the Eastern version of Kyle Shanahan, where it's like, all right, how many times are you going to get there and not, and not do it. I mean Kyle Shanahan obviously has probably had has the coldest seat of any coach in the NFL. But you get what I'm saying, right? It's like yeah. all right, how long this window is not going to last forever. And we're seeing players drop like flies. Players are getting older, granted. You know, Tredavius White has had a really bad couple years with injuries, losing Matt Milano again, horrible. You know, you know it it they haven't had the the luck, the injury luck, I guess, on their side. They've had some pretty key injuries. Another thing that I think needs to stop being a a conversation is, well, Josh Allen needs to get more help. An absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous argument to have that when you have Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid, Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Khalil Shakur, you know, whatever the running back situation might be, James Cook, even, hell, even Latavius Murray, you do not need more offensive help. I don't want to hear that, especially from a guy that's supposed to be elite. Look at what – I mean, Patrick Mahomes isn't having a Patrick Mahomes season, but damn it, he's doing a hell of a lot more with a lot less than he's yeah. been doing lately. So I think that's an argument that should be kind of thrown right out the window. I think McDermott is, is getting warm, but nothing to, to you know, worry about for this year.
2: Yeah, I, I I tend to think that most of this is not his problem. Uh, in fact, he is, because Leslie Frazier uh, stepped down, he is coordinating the defense. And really, after losing Matt Milano and Tredavious White and Taquan Jones, and also getting nothing out of Von Miller, who probably yeah. won't be back now... Mm-hmm. Um, the defense has looked pretty good. I mean, actually, they've, it's looked really good, except for, you know, I, I actually tweeted that mid-game against the Eagles, and then they kind of imploded in the second half. Um, but before that, like, the defense had been playing really well. Um, you know, even the Broncos game that they lost, I mean, they were really making them work for it. It's just that the mm-hmm. offense kept giving them all those opportunities. Um, so, you know, that's I, – I think that's it's, – it's not something to ignore, that Sean McDermott has the defense. It's very hard for – for coaches to do the whole play calling thing. I I honestly think Mike McCarthy is doing it pretty well in Dallas. It's hard for them to do the whole play calling and head coaching thing. Um, But he's done it very well with the defense. So I think that's a feather in his cap. But the optics do not look good of, of, you know, this was a, this is kind of a year where it was like, well, this may be it for the window. You know, obviously Josh Allen's going to still be here. And as long as you have Josh Allen, you can win something, but this may be it for Stefan Diggs. And, you know, some pieces are getting older um, there is kind of a feeling of like this is kind of the last shot with this core group, not counting Josh Allen, to go and win a championship. And they're they're regressing. I mean, they went thirteen to th- uh, thirteen yeah. and three last year. They're six and six, and they've lost to the Jets. They lost to the Jaguars. They've lost to the Bengals. Then obviously the Eagles, Broncos. You know, this the optics of of that don't look good. And I think something's going to change. Um, you know, and if it's a big roster reshuffle, then that's one thing. But if you're not able to do that, it's you know, it, it's a little bit risky to bring him back. I think in terms of of keeping up the belief of the fan base, um, you know, if you truly believe that bringing Sean McDermott back is going to let you win 12 or 13 games next year, then you have to do it. But the, the optics of of regressing as as much as they have and not making a major change because offensive coordinator is not a major change, then You know, it's it it looks a little complacent. Um, I think I do think he'll come back, but I do think that the door is open uh, if these last five games really go poorly. You know, like when you come out of the Eagles game, of course, really disappointed because you're in a position where you got to win all these games. Yeah. But you also come out of it saying, well, you know, they played pretty well, like the offense looked pretty good. And the defense was looking good and it just kind of got messy at the end. And, you know, if, if Gabe Davis runs the right route and then, you know, we win the game, I I feel like you don't come out of the Eagles loss feeling that bad about the team. No. If you can like, so if you hang with the chiefs and you really hang with the Cowboys or if you win one out of those two, you know, and you put up a fight but still miss the playoffs, I think that looks good for Sean McDermott. If they get smacked by the chiefs, and and you know end the bills and and maybe you know or if even if they look good against them, but then the Chargers come go and beat them. I think you have to start asking some questions because then it yeah. becomes like routine that you are losing to every single good team that comes up on your schedule, um, or you know, and even some ones that are not so good like the Chargers. If they end up, you know, if he ends up getting outdueled by by Justin Herbert, right? I, I do think that there's the door is open for them to ask some serious questions down the stretch. But as of now, uh, I think Sean McDermott's staying. Um, yeah. But I think those questions are worth asking because they came into this year uh, knowing that this will be a pivotal year and they yeah. haven't looked up to it.
1: No, I, I agree with you 100% there. I really do. I, I think I'm glad that you're kind of on the on on with me with that, with the whole it, it really questions need to be ans- asked and answered before someone gets fired. I mean, you yeah. know, this isn't the Raiders organization here. We don't just fire and then pay our head coaches, uh, you know, ten years after they're fired. Anyway,
2: although Josh McDaniels might have been the right person to just—no, that one was after. pretty
1: cool. That one was all right. Yeah, I don't mind that one. But so mentioning the the AFC West, there's one team that I mean, this is probably the hottest seat in the in the NFL, and that's Brandon Staley. Yeah, he should and, he uh, should be gone by now. I mean, I, I would have tried out I mean,
2: Moore, <laughs> even though I don't think he's the guy. I mean, I, I would have just seen what he could do.
1: Now, we know it's a done deal between you and me, all the listeners, pretty much anyone that's in, you know, adept in the NFL. We know how this goes. Brandon Saley is a dead man walking. When Black Monday comes around, he should have been fired on Sunday. You know what I mean? It's he's he's been on borrowed time for so long. I honestly I came on this podcast after they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars and said, I want him gone now. Yeah, you know. Yep. So I, I, I don't
2: think that would have been crazy.
1: Yeah, I I think that he has been on borrowed time for quite some time here. It looks like he's going to at this point. I mean, I don't think anything is salvaging the Chargers. Uh, Even uh, I think that he is going to you know just kind of play it out, and be, be auditioned for a defensive coordinator position somewhere, and uh, that is really it. And What I really want to talk about with this is the prospect of Bill Belichick coming into. Los Angeles, and coaching someone like Justin Herbert. Now, a lot of people, I know you know this as well, a lot of people like to think, oh, Justin Herbert and Bill Belichick will be an unstoppable duo. You know, Bill Belichick is not an offensive-minded coach. He is, I mean, I don't know how many people actually know this, but he won two Super Bowls with the New York Giants as a defensive coach. You know, I, I don't know how many people think that he's, you know, a quarterback guru. I mean, a lot of problems that he probably has on the offensive side were masked by Tom Brady's greatness for so many years. But, I mean, having him on a Bill Belichick team, Justin Herbert, is obviously a prospect that, you know, he probably can't refuse. That would be, on paper, talent-wise, that would be the most talented quarterback Bill Belichick has ever had. You know, I I think think we could... I think we could sit here and say that Justin Herbert, on paper, is more talented than Tom Brady.
2: We should be. I mean, in terms of arm talent, um, yeah. that would be. I, I part of me just cannot picture as as good as it looks. Like physically in my head, can't picture Bill Belichick wearing like the Chargers powder blue on the sideline the, the visor, and I just, that was that that I horrible crown, I cannot picture that. that. But you know, if if he became, if he wanted another job. I mean that would you think that would have to be the one, you know, to, to try to be the guy to fix that situation. Warm just, weather.
1: I mean, listen, he's a dog in his own right. We saw that we all saw that video of him leaving that person's house after a clear one night stand. <laughs> he's a dog in his own right. He's a dog in his own right. he's always gonna hit up
2: LA. I mean yeah, that's a but, he, but he will be the new attraction in LA. It's exactly what Tom Brady did. You know, Tom Brady took on a whole new identity in Tampa. He was at the beach, you know. Bill Belichick might be, uh, you know, getting out of the cold weather might be it for him. That that might be that might be a good
1: step. Yeah, you know, he's getting older now. He's, he's, his (laughs) his yeah. He's probably he's probably cold all the time
0: anyway. Yeah, no, your your joints need that
2: warmth, you know. Otherwise, you're going to freeze up when you get older. No, I he I I'm I mean, that would be first of all that would be fun. That would be like the next off seasons edition of like Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, which of course you know we we don't we could we could. Just talk another day about how that worked out. But, you know, every the whole thing, the whole offseason was how is that going to work out? And I feel like the, the whole offseason next year would be defined by Belichick and Justin Herbert. And by the way, uh, you know, I wouldn't make him a GM we, for obvious reasons. No, of but course. If, but, you know, the Chargers aren't the best decision makers. And I, I think, I mean, I would hope that they're they're also firing Tom Telesco, the GM, because he has been there 11 years and they've won virtually nothing. Uh, the, you know, the, he he's built this highly paid roster of guys that are four and seven. I mean, so I, I think, you know, aside from... Most expensive defense of all time. Right. Aside from using that pick on Justin Herbert, it's been very unsuccessful. I think they need to clean house and move on from Tom Telesco in addition to Brandon Staley. By the way, in case there's any... Anybody wondering? I also think Brandon Staley should be should be gone. You know, today, tomorrow, forever. Not no not question gone, about yeah. that.
1: Shit canned.
2: I think the bigger question is whether they'll fire Tom Telesco. I mean, this would be his 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 fourth head coach. I don't. Th- I'm not sure he, he didn't hire Mike McCoy. I think they were hired at about the same time, oh unless I'm wrong about that. Maybe he did have a say in that, but I think they were hired around the same time. Um, either way, you know, he hired Anthony Lynn. He hired Brandon Staley. I think it's time to let somebody else uh, make that decision. And you know, if if there are teams chasing Bill Belichick, and and you need to separate yourself, maybe they would give him that GM role. Oh, and then no. maybe, and then maybe bring in somebody who can who can serve as like a, you know, a young assistant GM who can actually make most of the just decisions.
1: try and pry Nick Casario away from yeah know, well, Houston.
2: They would have had a better shot if the Tex if Stroud ended up playing like Bryce Young. But, uh, but now I think he's safe for a bit. Yeah. What about Josh McDaniels, offensive coordinator, back in the AFC West?
1: Please, no. That guy. See, I don't know. Before, I, I just want to say this to you. I don't know if you have anyone else in the AFC that you want to talk about. I think everyone else is pretty much safe. I mean, maybe someone that you might want to bring up is Mike Vrabel, but I, I think he's safe. I think- well, I, I mean, I there's been
2: some. He is safe, by the way. They, yeah. They're not. They're not going to fire him. There has been speculation, not actual, not actual reports, just speculation. Um, and also some Titans fans saying he seems a little more disconnected in this conversations this year about the Patriots. I mean that I mean that would be kind of a... Hey, that's not a bad idea. I'll I'm not saying that. it's the dream job for him, but if you're the Patriots, that's gotta be the dream of hire. You know, I know they they say Gerard Mayo is like the front runner, and I get that. Yeah. But you know, Mike Vrabel, like that I mean, that seems like the guy if you're the Patriots that you want to target. So I wonder if they come at him with the with an offer. That would mean you know, that would sway him.
1: I tell you what, if there's a coach over the last five years that has done more with less, yes. it's it's Mike Brabel. I mean, yes. he's done like you look at every year, except for this year, I mean, this is really the year where we're like, Oh boy, the you know, the Titans are are not good. Every year we, you know, we look at the, them on paper and we're like, all right, this is the year that the Tennessee Titans are not going to be players in the playoffs. And then you're like, son of a bitch. It's like, <laughs> there they are at 12 and five or 11 and six at the end of the year. You know, like, how did they do this again? I think that's, I didn't even think about that situation. That scenario. Yeah. I think that that's a, a great idea, you know, that, you know, sort of a homecoming and he just looks like a Patriot coach. He just looks like that demeanor, you know, the coaching style just kind of looks like someone that would be like a, a good Patriots head coach. But before we move on to the NFC, I wanted to say that I am not a big fan. I want to get your, your feeling on this too. I'm not a big fan of guys getting fired and then rehired for different positions the next season. I don't like I, to me, like it's work out for
2: Frank Reich. That's for yeah, sure. Cause I'm saying like, I don't understand
1: how my, my favorite is when someone gets fired. Let's say Brandon Staley gets fired, right? when he gets fired and let's say Patriots fans love Brandon Staley. Right. And, and on Twitter, you know, those Twitter fingers will be going, Oh, Brandon Staley needs to be the head coach of the New York of New York of the new England Patriots. It's like, it's like, but, but why is someone going to do a terrible job somewhere else? Get hired for the same position and miraculously do better. Now I know personnel has, you know, Co- other coaches have things to do with it as well but like i i i just never understood seeing coaches get fired and then like 10 minutes later it's like you want to be my defensive coordinator it's like come on you you know that dead last defense that you had last year with the most expensive payroll of all
2: time you come over here you know what i mean like what sense does that make well yeah yeah i think de- i think it depends on the guy i mean it's got to be a, it's got to be a special situation i think because like Like, you know, the situation where the Dolphins fired Adam Gase and then the Jets said, let's go, like, you're our coach. Like, that shouldn't happen. Frank Reich shouldn't happen. Um, But there are other, you know, like, you know, it's got to be a a, a particular guy. Like Andy Reid, you know, it was time to to move on in Philadelphia in 2012. Um, And then nobody could blame the Chiefs for hiring him. And, you know, we, we don't even have to talk about how much that's worked out. You know, obviously that was the right decision. Uh, but, but the situation of it being the right time to move on from Andy Reid is not the same as like the Dolphins firing Adam Gase or, you know, Frank Reich not being able to make it through the season with the Colts. So, you know, it depends. Like Brandon Staley is more in that mold. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, you know, if 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 Robert Sala was fired, you know, I could see a team with an established quarterback saying, well, you know, I, we like what he what he did. And, you know, it was a bad situation all around. And and we want to give him a shot. Um, but like I said, just just completely depends on the on the situation. Doug Peterson too. Now, obviously, he took a year off. That's what I'm like saying. Doug, like
1: I'm I'm yeah. cool with that. If you yeah, like Doug Peterson's
2: off. the type of guy. So you know, it, it depends. But yeah, I think teams play a little a little too loosely with like like I would much rather just take my chances with a coordinator and yeah. see if I can get a long term coach than bring in you know Adam Gase or or Frank Reich after they were fired, to be honest, I don't even really think Adam Base did a horrible job with the Dolphins. I think in, in a lot of cases he overachieved, but, yeah. um, you know, obviously I, I, he's the type of guy where I'm not sure I'd be ready to like hand the keys to him in 2019, which is what the Jets did. But uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. You know, coordinator position is different thing. Like I understand Brian Flores becoming like the Vikings coordinator. Mm. Um, you know, I'm confident in what he can do with the defense. And he's done a pretty, pretty nice job. Um, it's a whole you know, separate situation, though, that that role, role. you know. But but yeah, different roles than head coach and defensive coordinator. Yeah, um, if hard. I could bring up, it. if I could bring up one more coach in the AFC, and it's not right. because I think he's going to get fired, but I do want to know if you think Zach Taylor's seat is New starting to warm there. a little bit because there it might be a situation where he loses these last six games without Joe Burrow, and you start to wonder like, is he you know is he actually helping the situation oh. there? Is he somebody who oh. can only win with Joe Burrow? I don't, but they're extremely loyal in Cincinnati, which is why I don't think a move is going to be made at all.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that. I I was just going to say, I was like, I don't, I don't don't think that a move would be made regardless, Uh, even if they lose out. I don't think that a, a a move would be made like that. I think it's a similar situation to the New York Jets, where it's like, well, we lost our star quarterback. Like, you know, what did you expect them to do with Jake Browning? And I get that to a certain degree. And like, to be real, the like the Bengals aren't really constructed as well as people would imagine. Like The defense has been overachieving this year. The defense has been playing really well, but a lot of key guys are free agents. you got an owner that is pretty reluctant to spend a lot of money. you got key guys coming up in free agency. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, DJ Reader. You're going to have to pay Jamar Chase soon. I don't know if these guys come back. This is going to be a very different looking roster next year. So I, I think that you know, I I didn't I never really believed in Zach Taylor as a good head coach anyway. To be honest with you, I just thought he was kind of carried by the supporting cast that he had. But the roster is going to look very different next year. I think you give him you know a healthy Burrow next year, a, a, a different looking roster because we could be honestly looking at a wide receiving group that has Jamar Chase and then just a bunch of other names. You know, like I, I don't I don't think T Higgins is going to be back. I don't think Boyd is going to be brought back. Maybe on a one-year deal. He's getting up there in age. Trent Irwin is a free agent too, believe it or not. You, you know what I mean? There's there's a lot of of money that's going to have to be shelled out that they don't really have, and that they're probably putting towards. You know, you got to think about Cam Taylor Britt too, as as someone that is going to be getting a long-term extension. Probably not this year. Maybe next year or the year after. You know, he's turned out to be a great player. You got guys everywhere that are going to be looking for extensions. And with a, with a, head, with a uh, owner that's not necessarily, you know, open to spreading his wallet all the time, you know, it could pose problems. But I think Zach Taylor gets another go next year with a healthy Burrow and a different looking roster. And then, you know, <laughs> you might be in the same boat next year because if Joe Burrow gets hurt again, you go, well, you know, yeah. five, five and 12, six and 11. Like, what do you do at that point? But like you said, they're very loyal. They seem like um, when it comes to hiring and firing coaches, they seem a lot like the New York Yankees, and it makes me sad. But uh, <laughs> they're very loyal to a mediocre coach.
2: Yeah, a, that's one reason why the, if they, you know, we talk about Mike Brown doesn't want to spend that much, but it would be an attractive job because oh, yeah. you get to keep it forever. And not only that, but you have Joe Burrow. So yeah, that's my Chase. But um, but yeah, yeah, but I don't think, I, I, I completely agree. I, I don't think a decision, you know, needs to be made here i I think they're going to hold on to him i you know you could look at it too This is a team that very easily could have won the Super Bowl the last two years, and I don't mean that in a way of like of like oh, he should have won It's more like like it just it came down to the last play you know in or the last one of the last plays in in the actual super Bowl, and then last year they were as good as the chiefs I mean if that was in Cincinnati, they'd probably win that was an extremely evenly matched game that pretty much came down to a penalty. Um, and then the chiefs won the super bowl. You know, I, I think they were good enough to win the super bowl, even with Zach Taylor the last two years. And so, yeah, I, I I think it would be disappointing if they just lost out, you know, and showed that they can't win without, you know, without burrow, but I don't think it really would affect his job status. I, I, I do think going forward, you know, in the years to come that, you know, it would, it would set the stage to put a little more pressure on him if they really can't win without burrow. But, um, it's. I think next year would be the year where where maybe we start talking about that, you know, about there. It's a decision possibly being made. I don't think there's actually going to be movement this year.
1: I agree. I do. Um, moving over to the the NFC side, kind of like the AFC East, I want to talk first about the NFC South because I feel like there are three jobs. Yeah. But, well, I mean, really four if you think about it. <laughs> Yeah, I think all,
2: every, everybody's in place. Just the Panthers made yeah, this all,
1: all up for grabs. First, I want to talk about Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons. Now, I I don't know about you. I am a firm believer that if the Atlanta Falcons were to draft a franchise quarterback, maybe trade for someone like Justin Fields, I really think that you know I am not a firm Justin Fields believer, but I feel like if you're going to stick with someone like Arthur Smith, I feel like Justin Fields would be probably the perfect. Quarterback, established quarterback in the NFL to run that type of offense. And I think it would be an upgrade over Taylor Heineke and, and, you know, Desmond Ritter. I feel like they're a quarterback away from being a legitimate playoff contender. Like the roster's good. The defense has been playing pretty well. They lack pressure, which kind of sucks. But offensively, they got some great pieces too that like no one ever sees because Arthur Smith likes to, you know, throw the ball to Mike Cole Pruitt on, on third and goal, you know, but I, what do you think about Arthur Smith? Like what is what is your what do you I, I saw the little grimace on your face. So what do you what do you think about that?
2: Arthur Smith is so good for the game. He I the way the way he unites people against him is is special. I, I I said it to you before, like way early in the season. We desperately need the Falcons to win that division because we need an Arthur Smith playoff game. Like nobody wants to see, you know, Dennis Allen and Derek Carr. Who, you know, they they may still end up end up winning the division, but nobody needs to see them get beaten beaten in by the Cowboys in the wild card round. We need to see Arthur Smith coach a playoff game, just so we can all argue about B. John Robinson's usage and Kyle Pitts' usage. Um, you know, what do I think about him? Well, I think he's a little too stubborn. Um, like everybody, I think kind of agrees. I don't I don't like loathe him like a lot of the fantasy football people do. I I almost yeah, find I don't, it like entertaining. I almost find it entertaining, like the rivalry between like the fantasy football people and Arthur Smith. I mean, I feel like if they had the opportunity, like they actually would kidnap him, um, and and you know, like, and just, you know, just get rid of him. Um, but I, they, they like they they I've never seen such like such hatred toward a coach by like some of these people. Uh, so I I. I I'd love to see Arthur Smith play coach like a meaningful game. I think like what how many how many have they been in prime time this year? Like I know I they honestly, I think they have a prime time game that maybe I, they, I don't
1: think they have been. That's going to be like I, I know I swear obviously. they weren't
2: I swear they weren't one of the teams without a prime without a prime time game but Maybe – i I'm sure somebody's listening to this thinking, like, of course he was in a primetime game. Don't you remember that game? I have I do, no idea. I
1: don't, I don't recall them ever being in a primetime game. Well, so anyway,
2: I feel like the world needs a little more Arthur Smith. Um, only, so,
1: only if he has the mustache, though.
2: Only if he – which he doesn't right now. But by the playoffs, he could grow it back easily. So, no, I mean, I think, I think stubbornness has gotten a little bit um, – you know, gotten the best of him a little bit and wanting to prove people wrong and prove that. I, I think, I think one of the biggest issues with some NFL coaches is that they feel like they have to prove they're the smartest person in the room, mm-hmm. which I think is the Brandon Staley issue too. Um, and usually you're not the smartest person in the room, even though you ended up getting the biggest job in the room. So I, I do think that's haunted Arthur Smith a little bit. Um, but look, you know, he, he used Arthur, he used Bijan Robinson a lot more last week against the saints. Um, and it was a positive. And he hired Ryan Nielsen as defensive coordinator Ryan from Nielsen. the Saints, which I think has worked out really well. Yeah, you know, like you said, yeah. they don't really generate pressure. I don't really think that's his problem. They also, think,
1: they also don't have the personnel right no, now. No, I think yeah. I think
2: it's a personnel issue. Yeah. Uh, but like, look, Jesse Bates last week turned into like Bengals Jesse Bates. Two, you know, two interceptions. He's been great this, this season. He's, he's really had a good easy. year. I think I think Ryan Nielsen was a great was a great hire. Which and that was Arthur Smith's hire. So you know, I think he's going to be given a fourth year. Probably, I mean, I, I think they—they'd they'd be if they lost, you know, if they lost the Jets this week and they ended up like seven and ten, and clearly lost the division, I think you could definitely, I think you'd be justified in firing him. You know, I, I, I do think I think that would be the case. But their schedule is so light the rest of the way that I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and I think you know if they if it comes down to week eighteen, even if they miss out on the division, I think the the response from that team is going to be, let's go out and find you a quarterback. And see what we can do, can you imagine if the Atlanta
1: Falcons win the division, and then you get to see Arthur Smith coaching a first place schedule
0: <laughs>
2: well that's why that's why it's like okay we need let's get a quarterback now like let's i don't care what it takes let's trade up let's get a quarterback, or we'll trade for somebody because you are not going to be able to get away with the you know the Desmond Ritter experience next year
0: no.
2: um or anything similar because yeah, like me and you, we sat here, I think it was after like week. Four or five, and we talked about like wow, this schedule is easy. Like, this is just you know, of course, it's it's uh, you know, there's a lot of teams that don't have a difficult schedule, but like, this is is simple, and even the rest of the way, like the Jets four and seven, the Bucks four and seven, the Panthers one and ten, uh, the Colts, you know, okay, it's but it's at home against the Colts, like, they get mm-hmm. that's a winnable game. They're much better at home than on the road, by the way, which is why I'm picking the Jets this week. Um, and then the Bears and then the Saints, which, uh, you know, the, the toughest one here is probably in New Orleans in week 18. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to take advantage of that life schedule. But, yeah, I, I think I think if, you know, if they, if after this year they fire Arthur Smith, I don't think anybody could say, well, he should have had more time. But nah. if, they, if they perform okay against this schedule and they keep him, and say we're going to target a quarterback. I think that's just a, I think I think you get away with that too. Um, I know there are, I know there are a lot of people who would disagree and say Arthur Smith needs to be fired into the sun. Um, and maybe maybe if they end up losing most of these games, but uh, I don't know. I think I think I'm just biased. And he's so he's such an entertaining coach because of the way he divides people. Uh, I, and he just
1: does it with like just the most like deadpan look on his face too. Like I, he's just like all right. You know what are you gonna do? We need more coaches than that he like. He's the guy who can't be pushed around. I love it. He looks like he to me when he gets animated. He's hilarious. There used to be a Twitter account that I that I used to follow way back in the day. That was it was called What He Looked Like, and there was one guy on it all the time. You know who Jim Tom is, obviously. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and, and Jim Tom was that guy that was just had the most memeable face of all time, like in the NFL, and he was. His face was plastered all over like that that thing, and I feel like if that Twitter account was still around, that Arthur Smith would be the would be it would be like the, the Jim tomsula of this era
2: I think this is like the the second time we've actually had a Jim tomsula mentioned on in a there's no way a, on one of these episodes this season. I swear he's come up before <laughs> I'm sure I brought him up I'm sure it was me
1: i i mean i He's just my hero. I thought he should have got more time as the San Francisco Forty ers head coach. Uh, even yeah, though, yeah, it's not
2: fair. With- then they brought in Chip Kelly, and he went two and fourteen, yeah. and they got rid of him. I mean,
1: Tom Zula went a very respectable five and eleven. Yeah, the, he
2: could have done the two and fourteen thing, gotten fired, yeah. and you know, gotten that, you know, gotten that that experience another year. He also got that paycheck too. another year. He got paid anyway. I'm
1: sure. Yeah, he, he had a sweet mustache.
2: Yeah, he yeah, very sweet. He probably I still up,
1: I wonder what he's up to now. I'm gonna check that out. We'll check Asher, it on probably.
2: Jim Tavola.
0: I am.
1: Um, so while I'm doing that, while I'm checking this very important uh, uh, side piece, what I'm thinking, we got to stay in the NFC South. I don't even want to talk about the Panthers because obviously, like we know that that is just a disaster of a of a situation as of right now. I want to talk about the Bucks
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Todd Bowles. What do you? I mean. It's Todd Bowles. Like, I like Todd Bowles. And this is one of the guys that I'd be completely fine with if he got fired as the head coach. He can step right into a defensive coordinator position somewhere else, and I'd be fine with that. But, like, isn't he, like, the most uninspiring head coach in, like, the NFL? He just, yeah, like, he looks like, on his face
2: every time. He's, like, the classic really good guy who probably should not be in the position he's in, you know, like Aaron Boone. Um, <laughs> now, if you – if you looked at this team and said, Oh, four and seven, it's like, okay, that's pretty much where I expect them to be. But they started three and one. And like the last what is it? The last seven games, they're one and six. You have some you have a Jim Tomsula update? Sorry,
1: sorry to yeah, sorry to, to cut you off with this one, but this is some this is some news. So Jim Tomsula is the head coach of the Ren Fire of the European League of Football. All right. Okay. I didn't know that was the thing. Now I got to see what his record is. And he's got, he looks significantly worse without a mustache, by the way. Uh, <laughs> well,
2: why would he shave the mustache? I, I don't understand. know.
1: That's like, oh god, What an idiot. All right, continue. I'm sorry. I will. Yeah. I will cut you off again with another Jim Sula.
2: You got it. You got it. No, but the, the the Bucks. You know, I think four and seven is kind of where you expect them to be. I think the offense is better than it was supposed to be. The defense has taken a step back. Part of that is is some guys aging a little bit. Devin White not playing well, but um one in six over their last seven games with Baker Mayfield playing pretty okay is a is i think a a problem I think you're right. You have another jim tom Sula update
1: I mean Jim Tomsula might be the goat of the European League of football <laughs> in his uh in his first full season. he not only won the coach of the year he won the championship wow, as well, so he's living life over there I don't even know where this is. I have to take a look and see where the hell this. This team is located. So I'll
2: continue, and then you come in with another update. No, no,
1: I got it right here. Don't oh, worry. Oh, got about it. it. Okay, here we go. Um, they are. They, what? They are in Germany. Okay. So, All so right. Jim Tom Sula is parading around his football Just going knowledge,
2: to, going around Germany, winning championships. That's I it. Mean, is there a better? Is there a better retirement gig than that?
1: And. No, that's it for right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Listen, there's no more Jim Tomsula updates.
2: A lot of head coaching openings probably coming up. I mean, can uh, anybody I mean, find some room for Jim Tomsula?
1: He actually, while I was laughing before when you were talking was because I actually had no, you know, you know, what's funny when, whenever you see like a coach that I always think often, sometimes I'll think to myself, I'll be like driving stuck in traffic. And I'll be like, I wonder what happened to Greg Schiano And then I'll just like, be like, oh yeah, he's the Rutgers. You know, when you just like forget about someone and yeah. then you look him up. And it just, you know, Jim Sula and he was the, uh, I think he was like the defensive backs coach for the Bears for two seasons. Yeah, he And then in, a, it,
2: in Washington too, right? I think. Yeah.
1: And as recently as 2020, he was the defensive line coach for the Dallas Cowboys.
2: <laughs> I know. I didn't even realize he made it to Dallas. That's what I'm saying. But he made it. And now well, he's in the rent. You know, Mike McCarthy got his start on the 49ers staff. So I wonder, I, I guess Tom Sula was there back <laughs> in like the early alone. 2000s with him. Oh, um, that's interesting. <laughs> it's very interesting.
1: All right, so now we have to. All right, so who, who has made the ASN Podcast Hall of Fame? So, oh uh, well, well we Patrick got Corbin.
2: Yes, Luke Weaver. I think Luke Weaver,
1: Billy McKinney. Right, we had a kid <laughs> like Billy McKinney. Like, a <laughs> Billy McKinney. Billy McKinney. When, I, when I expertly recited that trade that happened like nine <laughs> years ago for some reason, Billy McKinney. Now we have to add Jim Tomsula to the yeah to it.
2: I'm gonna say Justin Fields. Oh yeah, Justin it's a pretty solid Hall of Fame right there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Justin Fields <laughs> has gotta be part of it. I think Arthur Smith has the potential, but like he's I don't know, I feel like he's gotta get fired first. I mean
1: <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. There I feel like there's one other guy that we that we would talk about a lot that just uh, Lane Thomas, maybe? was it and Lane Thomas? Like Thomas?
2: I don't know if he I don't know if he I don't know, he's Lane one Thomas. of
1: those guys that's a really good player but not Hall of Fame worthy so. An
2: NFL rookie watch, can that account make our, our yes, NFL of rookie of
1: watch them? is this is the social media aspect of that MLA and JPA footballer. I think guys.
2: we I think I think once we get to our uh, college football talk we need to we need to have another NFL rookie watch discussion. So, I purposely now. Okay, so this is what
1: I've done for you, Dan. <laughs> you and and my friend Josiah
2: You do you put him in my feed like this is how I find out what's going on.
1: I purposely I have his notifications on (laughs) purposely that I could just roast him anytime he posts something. And I know because my favorite thing is when you get a not to sound like this guy, but when you get a when you have a tweet that gets a lot of likes, you don't see the notification for all the likes, only the people that you know or bigger accounts. Mm -hmm. And my favorite thing is to whenever I whenever I I comment under a, a, a tweet. Liked by Dan Tracy is my favorite thing ever to see. I'm like, yes, he saw it. <laughs>
2: yeah. I think I'm starting to drop some more replies in there now to him. You but- got to
1: dude. it. You got, it's just like, it's electric. And the best part is, you know how like when you, when you like crap on someone, I mean, you, you have some excellent replies on, on Instagram, every, every single post that you have, I, I'll look underneath and I'm like, Oh, there's the Dan sass that I, that I need today. But Usually, there's like a a weird community of people that will always come with this comeback and be like, "Oh, well, I don't see you doing it," or something they'll like randomly defend that person. Not on NFL rookie watch. <laughs> Everyone craps on him, <laughs> and it is just it is the greatest community I've ever yeah. been a part of.
2: All, all, all of the replies are, are 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 like, "Is is this real? Like, are, is has this account become like a parody?" I mean, it's just
1: an engagement farm. I mean, he's laughing all the way to the bank because yeah, no, I get he, it. He probably makes. A lot well, I, I don't, movie.
2: you know, I don't, I don't feel bad about enriching him because like it is entertaining.
1: Oh, it's hilarious. That's like, what I like, Whatever
2: this, whatever he's doing, like it's working, you know, it, yeah. it's Every time it. like, I fully admit he's got me.
1: The best part is, is he makes so many people, not me because I get engagement from it too. So he makes everyone so mad because he'll post something and it's almost like he flings his phone into the Allegheny river after he's done <laughs> because, because he no, doesn't respond to anything. Yeah. And it makes people so mad because I think I commented on something a couple days ago. Oh, when I with the um I think it was the patriots uh tweet that he had and I was like, "Oh, so you're just tweeting anything nowadays, huh?" And then someone was like, "And the worst part about it is he doesn't reply." I'm like, "He's got you." I'm like, "He's yeah. got you. You're giving him engagement because he doesn't reply." Like I think it's hilarious. And honestly, I get caught up in the comments all the time because I like to i like to bite back. You're going to bite at me, I bite back all the time on YouTube, Instagram, whatever it may be. I'm always biting back. I'm a sucker for it. And, um, and I wish I was more like that because I think it's hilarious that you could just drop the worst tweet of the day and just not care.
2: Yeah. The, the most hilarious one was when he was like, for the Raiders, it's like, oh, it's simple. Like, just... But one of the actually, yeah, no, he was like, he was like, it's clear that A- Antonio Pierce and Aiden O'Connell should be, um, you know, should be kept into 2024, which will allow them to draft Shador Sanders, hire Dion Sanders, and then they can have an offense of Shador. And Keon Coleman, which he just like, like threw him in he there just, for no well,
1: reason. He just he just throws random. Keon Coleman in right there.
2: in there. And he's like like so so you're saying that Antonio Pierce and Aiden O'Connell have done such a good job that you can already plan to get rid of them a year from now. Throw away the whole year <laughs> to draft Shadur Sanders, hire Zion Sanders, who by the way probably does not want to come, and then and then somehow in there they also get Keon Coleman. All right, so that's enough. Like we don't even need to. We don't even need to debate that. I mean, we, that's just a, a look into how delusional this account is. It's so hilarious. I hope it never goes away. Anyway, thoughts on Todd Bowles?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! Now we got to go to the dullest person in the NFL after the <laughs> conversation. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think it's time to go. He, isn't, he hasn't done. I mean, let's face it the the head coaching job was a reward of shutting down. Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl that was basically what it was so I think it's run its course now uh like I said he's not like a he's not a terrible head like I don't go like oh my god I can't believe Todd Bowles made that decision he's just a guy that's like a better coordinator than a head coach that's all it really is and I think he just needs to return home to be a defensive coordinator somewhere and just kind of
2: like yeah, he, he's, a guy, he's a guy that. who could be a defensive coordinator till he's like 75, like, yeah. like Wade Phillips, like, like he's, Nick Lebeau. he's like He's serious. Like he, he can coach, but you know, we talked about how cool it is that Sean McDermott can handle both of those duties, you know, play calling duties and head coaching. I don't even know if he's the, if he's the Bucks' defensive play call. He probably is. I don't know. Actually. Um, That's a good question, but you know, like who it, it kind of hasn't guy, been working lately, except for that win over the Titans where they held him to six points. You know, the Baker Mayfield has not been that bad. Even no. even during the stretch, he had a couple rough ones. Like the the loss to the to the Lions was not good. The loss to the Falcons wasn't good. But starting with that Bills game, you know he's been pretty pretty solid. Uh, when they played the Texans, I mean the offense did all it could. The yeah. defense couldn't hold up. So you've got you've got offensive improvement. You know, going from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield, which I give him credit for. Um, part of that is is getting rid of uh, Byron Leftwich, which he had to do. But the defense has kind of fallen mm-hmm. off. He's not really inspiring anybody, which is why I think they kind of can't get out of this this stretch they're in yeah um, and the new good news is like the, yeah, the good news is like the latter part of their schedule is is good to prove it like they have the games here where it's gonna be easy to tell whether he's the guy or not you know they they're 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 playing the panthers they're playing the Falcons um and then they've got. They've got the Packers in at Lambeau, which is tough. They've got the Jaguars, which is even tougher. But then you close out at home against the Saints, and then in Carolina. And so, if you can't go like four and two, yeah. I think that's a concern. Like eight and nine might not win you, might not win you the division, but at least it will show that you have, you're building something. I mean, they went eight and nine last year with Tom Brady, so I think eight and nine is pretty solid for what they you know for what they have. This year, But if you're less than that, I, I think it raises some some concerns.
1: I, I think the only way that he saves his job, at least for another year, or at least consideration to save his job, is if they win the division and they make yeah. the playoffs. I mean I, don't he, think-
2: I mean, I could see them going like 8-9 and losing a tiebreaker for the division. And they say like, well, we kind of made progress. And he also made a good offensive coordinator hire in Dave Canales, who came mm-hmm. over from Seattle. He was under Pete Carroll for like 13 years. He's worked really well with with what they have. Um the only thing is, like, okay, if you if you're satisfied with the progress and you keep him and you keep Baker Mayfield, like Mike Evans, does not sound like he wants to come back? And you know, like, like what is the direction here? Uh, I just feel yeah, like you're kind this of stuck just a football. I guess thing. I guess the good news is in the NFC South, you kind of can be just okay and contending. Um, yeah, but is but, that what
1: you? I know that. Yeah, is that under, like like in an any given Sunday type of type of argument? But like.
2: But is that what you want to be? Is that what
1: you want? You want to make the playoffs almost every year and lose in the first round? And what kind of direction is that? You know what yeah. I mean? It's just so, a, a linear direction that, like, right. you know, you're not you're not great, but you're not bad. So
2: and and to finish off the NFC South, I don't even think there's really much to say about Dennis Allen. I think he's got to go. I, I think it's uh, the 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 defense has regressed. And he's he was a great he's another guy really good defensive coordinator I mean yeah. actually I, I think maybe top five top three in in, yeah, in he, the NFL he when he was when he's he was great. Sean Payton's defensive coordinator um, Defense Um has regressed a bit you know they're not, getting older though they're, well they're getting older and that was part of why I was so low on them it's like Cameron Jordan obviously showed signs of decline last year Marshawn Lattimore can't stay healthy even though he's the one young guy to Mario Davis is old he's Mario Davis is still talent, playing all pro football but he, but he is old. Um, there was somebody else too. Oh, Tyron Matthew is—you know—he's not—he's 31. He's not having the the same impact. Yeah, I. So I have concerns from the beginning, but he also is continuing to employ Pete Carmichael, who has been their offensive coordinator for a long time. But he wasn't really the guy because Sean Payton was the was the mm-hmm. offensive play caller. Now he's the guy, and the offense is just not good. I mean. Derek Carr does not look good. He, he honestly doesn't look any better than it did when Andy Dalton was the quarterback last year. Derek mm. Carr doesn't look great. He's until this past week. He wasn't really getting the ball to Chris Olave, which is a problem, though. Olave had, had a great first half last week before the concussion. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the running game is, is not looking efficient at all. It's it's. It's not a good situation. I mean, I, to be honest, I think they win the division last year without with the better coach. I think that that one game against the Bucks where they blew like what was it like a fourteen nothing lead at the end. Yeah, I, I think that was on the coaching I, I, and Mark Ingram for for running out of bounds. But aside from that, I think the coaching did a horrible job with the you know time management and running down the clock. Um, it, it's too bad because I actually I mean one of my big misses over the last two years was. Thinking that Dennis Allen would be like a great head coach in New Orleans, I really, really liked what he did with the defense. I thought he was a good fit there. I thought that with the Raiders, he kind of had no shot with what they had. I mean, Terrell Pryor and Matt McLawhorn were his his quarterbacks most of the time. I think he had one year with Carson Palmer. Um, so I, I thought I thought this was a good opportunity for him, and with a, you know a solid defensive foundation, it, it, he's he's not the guy. Very uninspiring, just like Todd Bowles. I think they have to move on, even if they win the division.
1: Let me paint this picture for you. You're the Chargers, right? You tell Bill Belichick, you go, listen, Bill, you're just going to be the head coach. Bring in your own staff, right? Except Josh McDaniels. So (laughs) imagine this. You got Bill Belichick as your head coach, you get Dennis Allen as your defensive coordinator, and you get Ryan Day as your offensive coordinator.
2: Wait a minute, Ryan Day is not becoming anybody's offensive coordinator. <laughs> Why not? Because he's making like ten million at Ohio State. So, so there's no wild. offensive coordinator making ten million. There's no head coach making ten million. Hey,
1: hey, hey Ryan, I, I know, I know that you've been making ten million. How does eight hundred thousand sound <laughs> for <a> year? <laughs> eight hundred and a demotion. Take it or leave it. And a demotion, and then you're probably gonna get fired after one year if your yeah. team doesn't do great. I just thought about it in my head. That's why I was laughing. I just thought yeah, no, about sounds
2: it. great, except for the one part that can't happen.
1: Yeah, well, Dennis not only Allen that sound can absolutely
2: I mean... happen because I listen when we talk about coaches getting an opportunity after they get fired. I would definitely hire either Todd Bowles or Dennis Allen as a defensive. Coordinator oh yeah, oh yeah. Definitely. Same thing with with Vic Fangio in Miami. You know, everybody wanted Vic Fangio. Yeah, of course, because the guy can't be a head
1: coach, but defensively, he's he knows what he's doing. Doesn't he look like just such a miserable? Like he looks to me when I I I look at
2: Fangio. I'm glad he got a head coaching chance. I know it didn't work out, but
1: like he needed that opportunity. When I look at Vic Fangio, I I look at a guy that has grown up in the Bronx his entire life. Like he just like he just looks like a miserable guy. That's actually like he looks like it, but then when you like talk to him, you're like, oh, this guy's not miserable. He just looks miserable
0: all the time. You think
1: he's Italian? Uh, maybe, maybe I don't. I don't know, but uh, he just looks like he's always like chewing on like a toothpick and just always miserable all the time, and it's hilarious. But no, he's turned that defense around. I everyone knew he would. Everyone said early on in the year, or like Miami was giving up a, a horrendous amount of points. And NFL rookie watch actually went on record as saying that he thinks that after three games that Vic Fangio should have been fired, even though they didn't have their best defensive player uh, in in Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. But, and since Jalen Ramsey has come back and he's been, he literally looks like Jacksonville Jalen Ramsey right now. He's been absolutely unbelievable. He's
0: difference maker.
1: And um, the, the defense has been fantastic. I mean, don't, I always tell people this when I like do mock drafts or anything, anytime that your team plays the Jets, Take it with like 28,000 grains of salt. Like your team is not going to look this good against any other team. Like I use the the chargers as a perfect example that like your team is never going to look this good again as they did defensively against the New York Jets. But anyway, that's, that's a sidetrack. Can't to wait life. to
2: play them again in uh, two weeks.
1: Yeah. Great. Uh, I just, I'm just coasting through it now. I just turned the teeth. Like I don't even, I used to watch the pregame and I used to get excited. Now I just turn it on. And I'm like, all right, let's get this over with. Yeah. Like, I call. oh, I wanted to tell you, I forgot. And I have validation and confirmation from my fiance. We were both watching the game on Black Friday. I was sitting on the couch. The Jets just intercepted to a tiger Below with, what, six seconds left? <laughs> I turned to her and I looked and I said, I don't know why. I feel like the Dolphins are going to wind up scoring a touchdown before <laughs> halftime. I said, I, I just feel it. And literally, I sat there with no emotion on my face as I watched Javon Holland run through the entire history of the New York Jets to get to the end zone.
2: Not Untouched, by the way. Not a untouched. single... so now
1: the Jets hold the two most embarrassing plays on Thanksgiving and Black Friday, the yep. Fail Mary and the Butt Fumble. Great, great,
0: terrific. I,
2: I don't like, though, that the Fail Mary has been adopted for this, because that, that name, I think, should strictly belong to that play between the oh, Seahawks Scotland, and Packers. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I, but Sorry. I think it's so... like. It's just so funny. Like I knew like Yeah, that was she was like looking at me like, Are you serious? Like you're are you are not gonna react. I'm like, I knew this was gonna happen. I'm just Yeah, like,
2: no, everything it's you're numb to that at that point. Like you're not like like, it's not like, like uh, the it's the Jets. Of course he's gonna score. It's
1: nothing new. Of course like, the I'm hell is to go wrong. I'm surprised he didn't like fumble it forward and then like nine jets just like missed it and then like like some random third stringer that was on the field just for a Hail mary winds up picking it up and running it for a touch like <laughs> I, like nothing surprises me anymore no. with with this franchise and just really like anytime that there's like my favorite thing recently was when the jets played the vikings i don't know if it was last year or 2 years ago there um they someone got injured last year. yeah patrick peterson got injured and troy hill i think was the corner that came in. So naturally, what do you do when you're in an offense and a good boundary corner goes out with injury? You know, you go after the replacement because he's cold, you know what I'm saying? He might be a little nervous. It was his first it was his first NFL snap, Dan. His first NFL snap. Downfield interception. I knew it immediately. As soon as they targeted him, I'm like, that's getting picked. Like, There's no way that it doesn't. Like it's just Nothing surprised me. Anyway. That game,
2: that game, by the way, maybe the worst red zone performance I've seen in my lifetime. They had so I, many
1: opportunities. I vividly
2: there. remember that one. Yeah, they were in it like the whole way because Greg Zerlon kept making field goals from from inside. You know, it was all in the red zone, so they were all easy. They were all inside thirty eight yards. They it was it was quite possibly the worst display of re, of a red zone offense I have seen in my life.
1: At least they scored some points that day, though. Like they now, because they kept all getting all it, points. They, like,
2: they kept getting it to the red zone, but you know, you got it. I mean, better than what they're doing right now. So there's that. But the Vikings' defense is also horrendous last yeah. year.
1: I also think that if the Jets score 21 points tomorrow, I'm fully confident in the fact that it's coming from seven field goals from Greg line
2: Yeah, or like yeah, not- or de- or you could definitely. I mean, the reason why I picked the Jets is like. You could absolutely see this being the game where Desmond Ritter is just awful. I mean, he's much yeah. better yeah. at home than on the road, so that's one thing. But also, like, not to get too far into it. I know we're not making our predictions here, but the 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 reason why I was really low on the Jets against the Bills and Dolphins, uh, especially, is that the defense has been starting to look uh, tired, you like know, last year, which, 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 which I don't blame them. I mean, they look, not only do they look overworked, but they look deflated because sure. how many, you know, it's like how many times can we keep getting the ball back in the offense's hands and then getting nothing out of it? Uh, you know, it happens to almost every team that has a great defense and, and not a good offense is that it's just run, They run out of gas. Um, but it's, it's been nine days. And I think the return of Aaron Rodgers to practice has, has, uh, has, uh, you know, Given them an ego boost a little bit, and I also think Desmond Ritter is the type of guy who's going to be seeing ghosts when he sees the wrong kind I, of defense. I really
1: hope so like I know i I, a, I, I
2: really do think the jets offense I know the Falcons have a good offensive line, so that's the only hang up, but I do think that they see they could see Desmond Ritter as a guy we could really take advantage of, and so I could absolutely see the Jets having like a defensive score, you know or something I mean Desmond Ritter threw two picks last week. I could definitely see some kind of horrible mistake happening.
1: I got you right now. ready for this? So, (laughs) I think the Jets are going to sell out and stop Bijan Robinson. I predict that Kyle Pitts will have the greatest game of his NFL career tomorrow. I'm talking like 12 catches. Well, I hope so.
2: Cause I'm going to need that in, 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 for my fantasy team.
1: 12 catches, 250 yards, three touchdowns. Like, I just see it come. Cause also, the Jets, it's so funny. For as good as the Jets' defense is, they cannot cover tight ends at all this year. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that responsibility has gone from CJ Mosley to Quincy Williams to uh, Jamie and Shearwood, but Shearwood can't cover, you know, anything. He couldn't cover paint on a wall. If you, you know, whatever. I don't know what the analogy was. I was thinking for something there, but I mean, he's been terrible. But anyway, I don't know. I think it's just going to be a disaster, and I can't wait to see it because now I'm just numb to everything. So it's just like I have no hope. So I'm just, I just sit there and watch it. And my dad and I are going to a bar tomorrow to watch the game. And I'm like, why are we even doing this? I'm like, why? Are we, like, like I want to spend time with you. Don't get me wrong, but like, can we watch anything else? I don't want this to ruin our Sunday.
2: (laughs) I I hope. I mean, you know, I'm not going to be too disappointed if I'm wrong because this isn't like last year where they, where they, you know, they were in it up to New Year's Day, like literally January 1st. They had a chance uh, before they lost to Seattle. You like they're, you know, they're pretty much done. I mean, I understand Aaron that it might hinge on, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers' return might hinge on the door being open even just a little bit. So I guess it might be something to root for or not root for if you don't want them coming back. But it, it's you know the draft pick at this point is 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 probably more valuable than than anything else they can get out of this year. Um, moving on, we're just going to finish off the coaches. I think there's really three left to talk about, and two of them are very simple. Ron Rivera, out, done. Yeah,
1: yeah. And now, I, <laughs> what do you do with Eric Bieniemy?
2: I, I I might I mean, they know how he's, how he's worked out better than we do, you know, in terms of, like, handling the locker room. I'd probably give him a shot. I mean, yeah, I, to I be mean- honest, I, I, with a bad offensive line and, you know, a little bit of regression from Jahan Dotson, I kind of I, – I continue to like what Sam Howell has done, even though the raw numbers in terms of, like, turnovers are not the best. Every time I see him play, the decision-making seems to be pretty solid. Yeah. I think he's he's also been getting the ball out a lot quicker, which is good. You know, and some of that has led to a couple of mistakes. Um, but honestly turning a fifth round pick into into what he's become, I know he probably should have drawn higher. I like what I see from B I'd give him a shot as head coach. Yeah. That's just me. But it's a new owner, so like he's not tied to him. So we don't know. We don't know if he wants to go his own way. Um but if he's not, I can see the Saints going back to Bienemy. I mean they were they were he was very much in that mix uh, in 2021, before they, they made Dennis Allen the head coach, if they have an opening, and I, I bet you they're going to want an offensive head coach, um, I think the enemy could definitely be a candidate for the Saints. So I think I think this is the year regardless, I th- mm-hmm. which means the move to Washington would be a success because he wanted to become a head coach, whether it yeah. was there or somewhere else. I think he's I think he's going to get that job this year. If I'm the commanders, I'd probably like to make him the coach, but um, with a strong defensive coordinator. Um yeah which I, you know, we've just talked about, we think there's going to be options out there for a strong defensive coordinator, potentially uh, one of Dennis Allen or Todd Bowles, probably. Um, and then, you know, and then more beyond that. So I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see him, but yeah, Ron Rivera is gone. I think we can all agree on that.
1: I um yeah. And also I think before we can move on to the next one, I think that there was a predetermined notion in this, because I remember we came on this podcast and we said this move is linear and it's really strange that Eric Bienemy would go from Kansas City to Washington. Like I thought it was great for Washington, but it didn't really make sense for the career path of Eric Bienemy at the time. So I think that there was like a predetermined notion, like an under the table kind of like, hey, listen, like this is Riverboat Ron's last year. Regardless, really, if, unless we win the fucking Super Bowl, <laughs> like this is is going to be his last year. Like just. You know, if you come here, you're the offensive coordinator for a year. You know, we 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 take what we can get from from Ron for a year and then you fully take over after he's gone. I think that's what made it so appealing with the like the prospect of, hey, like I'll be a head coach without having to really interview as soon as Ron Rivera is gone. So I think I think that's what made that move a little bit sweeter, because I remember like on Twitter, I was like people were like, well, how does this move like make sense for the Like it makes sense for Washington. And it would make sense to move on from KC because everyone has always said, oh, like the enemy is just reaping the benefits of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid." Like, you know, he does terrible in coaching interviews, like, you know, he's never going to get a head coaching opportunity. So I think it was kind of an under the table understanding that at some point soon he would be the head coach of Washington.
2: Yeah, I think, I think he understood. I mean, I was a little skeptical because I I wasn't really a Sam Howe believer, but that's part of why I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with the enemy is I think, you know, while there have been mistakes, uh, they've gotten a lot out of him. that Baker Mayfield uh, in, in, a, in a situation that's not that great Yeah, with, you know, with the offensive line. I know most of the sack issues are him holding on to the ball, but it's also to, to his credit that he's kind of gotten over that a little bit. I mean, he's
1: a tough son of a gun, man. He really yeah, takes two or, two or three sacks
2: a game. Now is like a world better than what he was doing before. Yeah. It was like six a game. And you can tell you, even in the Cowboys game, I know, Ten points they scored, but you watch it and like he's getting the ball out. They're moving down the field. It was more like they just they were just terrible on fourth down. Like it wasn't a, it wasn't a real ten point performance. Uh, I thought he played pretty okay, so um I I I'd like to see the enemy get that shot, whether it's in Washington or New Orleans or somewhere else. And I think he will, but I I do know, I am pretty confident that Ron Rivera is done. Yeah. Um, and then I think Matt Ibraflus is another where he's probably gone. I know the win the other day is is nice. They also didn't score a touchdown, and he's an offensive – no, he's not an offensive coach. He's, he's defensive a defensive line coach, coach, yeah. But he hired Luke Getzey. Hasn't really worked out. It's
1: enough. a fireable offense in its own right.
2: Yes. Um, I, I'm I'm assuming that, that that's going to be it for him, and Ryan Poles is going to get another shot to hire a head coach. I,
1: I, I just wish that because, like, I wish I could take it back to before last year where – You know, like Chicago has all this great draft capital and everything and just get rid of Ryan Poles like I like. I mean, the the trade personally for me, any other year that number 32 overall pick would have been a first rounder. He traded number 32 overall as a second rounder for Chase Claypool. He's in Miami right now. And granted, the second rounder for Montez Sweat, especially with the extension, is that's a good play. I mean, he's 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 already making an impact. He's been fantastic this season, and I knew that, that he was going to make like a, an impact. When you have a, a, a team like the Bears that generates absolutely no pressure, you add someone like Montez Sweat. You know, yeah, I
2: was surprised by the reaction to that trade where people were so down on I it. loved it. I thought it was because, great. Because that, and then when the extension came out, which was literally like five days later, people were like, okay, now it makes more sense. Like, what do you think? They were just weren't going to try to re-sign him? Of course they're going to – they have they have a lot of room. Like, of course they're gonna resign Montez Sweat if they've traded something for him. You should you know, people acting like, oh, this changes everything. Like no. They they got him to be a long term
1: what, pass- what revelation.
2: Yeah, they got him to be the long term pass rusher. I mean, you know, they just had um obviously well it, they had Khalil Mack, and then it was Robert Quinn. Like of course they wanted a younger guy. They hadn't they had nobody left in the pass rushing department. They wanted a younger guy.
1: They signed Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah, so yeah, it, really it, well. so
2: it's much. Yeah, yeah. They signed Ngakwe to be like a top pass rusher like oh, oh, two weeks before the season. Like the situation was not good there long term. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. If you're gonna build something, you need to you need to rush the passer. They got somebody.
1: Absolutely. But and the, the,
2: the 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 obviously the the number one pick trade worked out too. I mean, mm-hmm. DJ Moore. Well, first of all, DJ Moore looks great. But the the bigger thing is they they might get the number one pick next year out of it. Yeah. Which is even you know an even bigger success, but. You know, so there's been highs and lows for Brian Poles. and if, you know, it's it not time to fire him after two years. It probably is time to find a better yeah. head coach. You never know. I don't know if they go seven and ten with the you know with the strong finish. Is it is it enough to make them think twice about it? I have no and and give Iberflus uh, a new quarterback. I don't know.
1: It, it but, brings me to my point where I think that this is almost an unprecedented situation. We've seen this one time pretty recently before in 2017, 2018 when a team gets the number 1 overall pick two two years in a row with the, with the Cleveland Browns. Doesn't happen too often. Yeah. At all. And uh there's a legitimate chance that the Bears could end up with the first and second overall pick in the draft, something that hasn't happened since 1992 and didn't hasn't happened before that. There is no doubt in my mind that they're moving on from Justin Fields and I think if you're moving on from a quarterback that's tied to this regime, you have to move on. You have to. You cannot let. What didn't the jet? The Jets did it. The Jets let Mike McAden draft and then they fired him. It made yeah. absolutely no sense. I think even with the strong finish, I think if you're going to take, if you're the Bears front office and you're going to take this franchise in a different direction, regardless of how good Ryan polls does or Eberflus or Justin Fields does, I think you kind of have to go a different direction. You got to kind of have to fire them and trade Justin Fields. And just kind of start from the ground up. You have $100 million in cap space. You have an insane amount of draft capital. If you end up with two top five picks, you could sit there, take Caleb Williams or Drake May, number one overall, and you could trade down like I did last year and get another haul. And the next thing you know, you have a, a two first round picks in 2026 or 2025 and get ahead of myself. Um, you know what I mean? Like you're just continue to gain value, gain money. And, and that's really the way that I see. You could build a successful franchise and, and the bears have just never really done that. And, you know, I, I don't know if, if it was up to me, which obviously it's not, but if it was up to me, that's what I would do. I'd say, regardless of the finish, I think that Iberflus is gone. I think polls is gone. And I think we look to move on from Justin Fields, regardless of, of the type of finish that he has, because, you know, there's still, even with a strong finish, I think there's still question marks on Justin Fields. You cannot go three years with a quarterback and go uh, – entering year four and go, you know, I, I, I have no idea. Like we're just going to parade him out there and, and hope for the best. He's got another uh, – if you trade him before the deadline, a team could pick up his fifth-year option. That holds a lot of value in its own right too. So I, I think the move kind of has to be made. I, I think it's a little stupid not to kind of clean house and just kind of start over.
2: Yeah, it seems like you're you're back to square one if you're like, well, let's give Justin Fields a fourth year. You know, how how often do these quarterbacks that don't pan out I'm not saying he's been horrible this year, but you know, these quarterbacks that really don't pan out through three years, how often does a fourth year really make the difference? I mean, not everybody is is Alex Smith who I think was in like year seven when he finally got a turnaround or Ryan Tannehill um I, I think it's it's probably when you have that kind of draft capital in a draft where it's loaded at the quarterback position, both at the top and you know in, t- in terms of depth. Mm-hmm. I think you got to just take advantage of it. I mean, if you pass on a Caleb Williams, who, who by the way I think should still be the number one pick, if yeah. you pass on him, and you know because you want to give Justin Fields another year, and then that uh, that next year doesn't work out, I mean mm-hmm. you're gone. Like if you're Ryan Poles, I think you have to be gone. So you you could buy yourself some time, I think, by drafting Caleb Williams where even if for some reason he didn't work out, you know, you're still going to get more than a year with him uh, to make it work. So I, I think that's got to be the move. Um, and then the only other coach I think we're talking about, and there's really nothing to talk about because they're nine and three, is Mike McCarthy, just because if, you know, if it happens again that they play like the 49ers in the divisional round and, it, and, it, and they lose, which by the way could happen, um I I just wonder. I I just feel like it's not really anything to debate. I just wonder if if Jerry Jones would have enough of losing in the divisional round by that point. But we won't know until January. Yeah. How long did Jason Garrett hang on? He got nine uh nine full years, I believe. Um, I don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> well, he got nine years. I don't know though. I don't know. I mean, because every year after they lose in the playoffs, Jerry Jones he kind of the last two years he kind of made comments that were like you know. It, Basically showing how how little patience he has with the situation, and he's also eighty one or something. He he can't afford to give you know to wait six more years. He's not going to be around. Um, yeah, sorry to say, but he's not. So you know, as owners get older, the patient gets a little thinner because they want to win. Um, I I just wonder. I mean, I don't. I have no problem with the job Mike McCarthy's done this
1: year. Yeah, especially but, since he's calling plays too. Right.
2: But you know, if they if they end up going to the divisional round and they lose in San Francisco again and Dak Prescott throws two interceptions, you know, I don't know. I I just think, I think it's, it's worth leaving open that possibility that something could happen. Would they go out and find a coach or would they just hire Dan Quinn? I have no idea, but, but it's something, I think it's something to consider until we see them make a conference championship game. Yeah. Which they really, they should.
0: They should. I
1: I agree with you on that one. Uh. Yeah, I want to talk about Nick Sirianni's uh, position. No, I'm just kidding. Definitely not. The most punchable face in all of football.
2: Well, he did lose to the New York Jets.
1: So by way of the laws of everything, the Jets are the best team in the NFL.
2: I mean, yeah. Well, Jalen Hurts has lost two games uh, in the last two years in the regular season. They were to Taylor Heineke and to Zach Wilson. So, So those are the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. Oh, I guess I guess Mahomes is up there too. I
0: guess, uh, whatever. He
2: did beat Hurts in the playoffs, but I mean, I don't make the rules. Yeah, Heineke <laughs> and Wilson, Heineke and Wilson are right up there with them.
1: I I can't even argue with you. I think that's I I think you're right. But yeah, I think to kind of close out that episode, we come. We wanted to talk. We were talking about it before. We want to talk a little bit about the death of the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Switching gears to college football. I told Dan, Mr. Dan Tracy, that the saddest uh, screen yesterday was the little shot of all the Pac-12 mascots just on the sideline holding each other, crying. No, not really, but <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's just like um, it feels so weird because this has been like a staple, like conference for for like my entire existence as a as a college football fan. So like a little hits home a little bit. I mean, you get some great football there. I mean, maybe, you know, off the top of your head, you probably know better than I. Where is the Pac-12 teams dispersing to next year?
2: Yeah, the um, Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA are going to the Big Ten, which does not have 10. Um,
1: The Big 42.
2: Yeah, they're going to have 18. Um, Utah, Arizona State, Arizona, and Colorado are going to the Big 12. Also have, uh, I, I believe it's, it's 16 teams in the Big 12 now that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. Um, Stanford and Cal are going to the ACC, naturally. Why does that make any sense? Don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. Um, we, we don't question realignment. Uh, and then um, Oregon State and Washington State are staying in the Pac-12 as members of well, I mean, I don't know if they're changing the name, but they're going to be part of the Pac two for now. The NCA has a two year grace period. You have to have eight members in a, to have a conference. There's a two year grace period where you can help re, you can rebuild. So for now, I don't think they're rebuilding, but for now, they're existing under that rule well,
1: they're playing um, chess while the other while the other right. teams are playing checkers because regardless of how bad you are now you're both in the conference championship
2: game That's right the conference championship game i'll see you there next year between oregon state and washington okay. state
1: I, I i'm predicting it
2: <laughs> they and they also play each other in the regular season um, so they will stay in the in the pac 12 or whatever it will be called for now the pack. they have a, a scheduling agreement with the mountain west so they will be playing, I believe it's something like seven games with the Mountain West, um, and then the rest of their games will be non-conference games. It's only four more games oh, so after they'll that.
1: they'll both be 12-0 is what you're telling me.
2: No, because everybody's leaving. Because, you know, who wants to be in that situation? So Oregon State lost their head coach, Jonathan Smith. They lost uh, DJ U- 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 Gale, you know, from – I'm not even going to pronounce his name. Yeah, from, you I, know, I, you I just call him ukulele. You remember him from Clemson. He's gone. <laughs> DJ um, ukulele. Washington State is probably going to lose Cameron Ward, who, by the way, is going to be playing for some elite program next year making millions of dollars because he's really good. So, you know, a lot of a lot of people don't want to be part of that situation. And then, you know, they're going to end up probably losing some games to teams like Fresno State and UNLV, who had a really good year this year. Uh, Air Force had a good year this year. So it's, uh, it's going to be uh, interesting. And then the question is going to be, do they end up merging with the Mountain West in the future, which is probably going to end up being – what it is. Um, but it's a sad situation. I mean, Oregon State had a great a great year. They had a great coach, Jonathan Smith, who who went to Oregon State and because he saw the ship was sinking, uh, and not because they were losing, just because they were the victims of this, he, you know, he went to Michigan State, which obviously pays him a lot better. Um, so it, it's a tough situation for both schools. I mean Washington State, you know, we we're we're gonna talk about I think we wanted to say some some great Pac-12 moments. Washington State was the author of, like, all those great Pac-12 moments. The Mike Leach years Ah. with uh, those passing offenses that, you know, threw for, like, 600 yards a game. Um, Just some names to throw out there. Connor Halliday was really the first one under Mike Leach. And then it was Luke Falk who started a couple games for the Jets.
1: Gardner Minshew.
2: Gardner Minshew. Anthony Gordon, who had, like, a nine – he had a nine-touchdown game uh, against UCLA. Somebody tweeted last night, like, all right, like, drop your favorite Pac 12 moments. And I put the um, the scoring summary for a game between, Oklahoma, uh, between UCLA and Washington State in 2019, where Anthony Gordon threw for nine touchdowns. And there were, let me count them up. How many scoring plays? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's the first half. Nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. What was the first? It was uh 67-63 UCLA. That was Dorian Thompson Robinson's freshman year. It was actually his first month, and he threw it for five touchdowns. I think he ran for some more. Oh he, had, uh, he had uh at least two touchdown runs. And so, now
1: he's getting and well, he's not getting benched, but and now Joe Flacco is starting over him.
2: He's just he's just concussed. Don't worry.
1: I saw a great I saw a great tweet. It was like um, Joe Flacco is becoming quite the uh, immaculate grid goat.
2: Yeah, yep. <laughs> he's got I me. Mean, he's you know the, the unfortunate thing is I don't think he would count for the Eagles because he never actually got in a game. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, even though he was on that team. But
1: yeah, it doesn't. It, yeah, you have to play like a snap or something like that. Snap. You have to like physically p- play and not in in like regular season play too. Not. Yeah. But that's funny. But
2: well, um, what I, I I feel like I'm sure you can agree when I when I think of the Pac-12. I think of like Pac-12 after dark, and when I think yeah, of that, I think I think of Mike Leach. I mean, he Mike Leach kind of like embodied that the you know the Pac-12 experience with the with the teams he had, always playing at like ten thirty at night yeah. and throwing for a billion yards. <laughs> it's just it's a sad situation like that that that. I mean, he he really had Washington State as like a must-watch team, you know, yeah. even if they weren't a great team. Um, you know, and obviously he's gone and 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 uh and now washington state is no longer no longer uh in that mix in a power conference for now
1: uh, i'm excited to see uh, maybe we'll touch on this a, a little bit just to mention it before we we sign off here but you know the the transfer portal season is like my my favorite part of college football oh, yeah. like it's it's so awesome I love it.
0: Yep. I think
1: Johnson going to North Carolina is like awesome. I think that's like such a great move for him. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see where all these like incredible players go. Uh, As you said, Cam Ward is probably one of the
2: biggest. Mm -hmm. Um, Is KJ Jefferson transferring too? He, they, there was a report he was, and then he's like, I have not made that decision. So we, I guess it's to be determined. But um, I you know it's it is fun because it's 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 not as simple as like oh well you know great quarterback goes here and so they're gonna win the conference and you know the 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 great teams are loading up again you know you don't know how these guys are gonna work out when they end up in certain situations like when Bo Nix transferred to Oregon I, I I I looked at the comments and everybody's like we don't want him starting it's Ty Thompson's time to start He's been <laughs> his for two years. because not you know Tom. he didn't look so good at, at Auburn. Michael Penix had four consecutive season-ending injuries at Indiana. I mean, every single season he ended up injured. He turns into one of the most electrifying players in the country. Takes into the playoff, you really don't know which of these quarterbacks is going to just find the right fit, yeah, and blow up wherever he goes. And you know, part of it is coaching because uh, in Washington, uh, Kalen DeBoer was actually Penix's offensive coordinator. The what his best year in Indiana. Or best full year because 2020 was only like a it was a COVID year. Um, Kalen DeBoer was his offensive coordinator in 2019, and you know, sure enough, found the it was just the right fit at Washington. The, the man, yeah. So you know, you see some of these these quarterbacks, and um, it, it's just it's very hard to tell who's going to end up there, where you know who's going end up in the right fit, where even Jaden Daniels, who you know he. He was okay at Arizona State. He was actually better earlier in his career. And then he, he kind of tailed off. And it was like, oh, well, now he's going up against SEC defenses. And, and what do you know? Likely Heisman Trophy winner. Like, you know, sometimes it's just all about these guys weren't in the right situation before. And so it's going to be a lot of fun to find out who was not in the right situation. Um, and then sometimes it, it fails, too, because like mm-hmm. Sam Hartman – you know, I'm not 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 sure if failure is the right word, but they definitely didn't achieve the goal. I mean, they kind of ended up where they were last year. How could you talk
1: about the most handsome quarterback, quarterback. in college football like he's, that?
2: He's 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 dreamy. Listen, he's got the hair. He's I mean, he's he's sensational. He looks like he's 35, but other than that, he he's he's good looking. But they did not. You know, he started off really well, and then they did not envision themselves going nine and three. And yeah. uh, you know, he had a couple of rough games too. Uh, during that stretch so
1: again some pretty crappy opponents too So
2: i think that's fun too is like that's the gamble of it is like these programs are paying some of these guys millions to come and change nothing um which i think is fun because it's fun to see gambles like that fall apart you know it's not my money it's their money so i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna enjoy it you know not that i'm actively rooting against sam hartman but it is fun but you're actively rooting
1: against notre dame
2: you know he gets his money right well he gets his money so it's not it's not bad for him but like when teams are like you know you have these rich donors who are like yeah i'm going to give like 5 million so we can go get a big time quarterback and then you go 9 and 3 or or 8 and 4 and obviously that's not what you want to be so i enjoy the gamble of it and i enjoy the unpredictability of it um and I, there's a, there's a lot of guys in the portal now i think um even guys that we probably don't even know. Because, you know, sometimes guys emerge and it's like, oh, yeah, he transferred two years ago, you know, before any of us.
1: Look at that, Dante Moore.
2: Moore. That is the name I was thinking of. You, you, I was about to say it and then I'm like, let me make it broader. Dante Moore is the name I'm thinking of because, you know, he's going to go somewhere and people don't really know his name yet, but he's got all the talent in the world. Five-star yeah. recruit, looked pretty good at, at certain points as a true freshman. He's going to go somewhere and become a multi-year starter and probably be really good in the process um mj morris is another one from nc state a lot of them are upset with him because he he um he ended his season prematurely saying i'm gonna redshirt this year and, and preserve my eligibility and they asked like are you going anywhere And his father was like enough he would have went somewhere he would have went somewhere in the summer like he wasn't looking you know he, it's not this is not the time to be to be transferring he would have done yeah. that already well he's in the portal so <laughs> but he's another guy who actually looked pretty good for nc state he kind of turned their season around um and so he could be a very interesting pickup for somebody uh, there's a lot of guys like that then there's uh you know the guys who just didn't work out in one place who may work out somewhere else like tyler van dyke um you know dj who I think he was already that guy because in Clemson, he didn't work out. He looked better at Oregon state. Yeah. But even they weren't like an offensive juggernaut, you know, they were a defensive team. So I wonder if he could find the right spot, but um, anyway, yeah, we're we're just giving all the loves to the transfer portal right now.
1: I love it. I'm a big, like I'm a really big fan of it. At first it took me a little, like, especially with the NIL and everything, it took me a little bit of time to warm up to it again. Cause I'm like, Oh, these guys are just transferring for money Yeah, and all that kind of stuff. Like, they're wasting their talent in college where they could be, you know, going to the NFL, some of these guys. But, you know, I respect it definitely because, listen, these guys got to get their money because tomorrow's not guaranteed when it comes to, you know, sport careers. I get it. If someone's offering you freaking $5 million to play here, whatever it may be, that's life changing money, man. I don't care who you are. You know, that's, you know, no matter how you have your priorities. That's listen. If someone offered me five million dollars right now to go play college football, I'd certainly do it. So I don't know how well I'll do, but
2: <laughs> I'll certainly do it. Yeah, you better. You better hope there's like an injury guarantee in there, or if if you get yeah, you I know, need in the, the first game contract insurance
1: on that one, just so I yeah. could pretend to pull my like I could just tear everything in my knee on the first snap and be like, oh, just pay me up front.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll. Uh, I think we'll close it out by mentioning. Speaking of uh, transfers. Because all three of them are transfers. The Heisman race. Uh between Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix, where um most of the year Penix looked like the favorite and then Bo Nix took over. And now it, it sure looks like Jaden Daniels is gonna win it. Um kind of back into it a little bit after Bo Nix um, yeah, he was okay against Washington. I mean, it, you know, they scored thirty one. But it was not, you know, between the loss and the fact it wasn't the, the absolute most impressive performance, it's probably enough to knock him off, yeah. uh, off that pedestal. I, I, let me say I, before anything, I think this is going to be a fascinating vote. Every year, nobody cares about the vote total. It's like it's more like, um, you know, when the vote total comes out, it's like, oh well, who you know who got some uh, some down ballot votes, you know, who who finished third and fourth or whatever. Usually, it's pretty clear that the the winner is going to win by a lot. Yeah. I'm 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 curious here, and I do wonder if anybody's put their ballot in already. I hope they didn't because that wouldn't make any sense. But um, I, I'm I'm very interested to see how close it ends up being between the three of them. And it's possible Penix is number two instead of number three after last night. Um, I'm not fully. Let me just say I'm not fully on board with the idea of Jaden Daniels being the Heisman. I don't hate it but I don't love it either. And, you know, part of that is I'm not somebody who believes you got to go like 11 and one to win the Heisman. You know, Lamar Jackson lost in 2016. It would have been a travesty. Christian McCaffrey had a great case to win it. You know, when they, when they had a couple losses at Stanford, obviously he didn't. Um, RG3 won it with three losses. I think Manziel won it with a couple losses. I, I think it's good that the Heisman will go to somebody who's not in the playoff for the second year in a row, but at the same time, I feel like you have to win one meaningful game. And he really didn't. I mean, like, there really wasn't a meaningful game where he won. Like, let me pull up their schedule here. I, I put up the stat a few days ago that 33% of his touchdowns um, came against Grambling State, referenced earlier in this in this episode <laughs> Grambling State um, Army and Georgia State. You know, like he really heavily—I hate to say it this way—but he stat-padded against Georgia State. He had he had eight touchdowns, and sure enough, like it's going to work out for him because those are going to reflect well on him. Um, Thirty-three percent of his touchdowns against Grambling State Army, Georgia State. So they play Florida State Week One. Um, They lose. Honestly, not his greatest game. He had 346 a uh, 346 yards. Touchdown <laughs> didn't lose didn't. If he had 346 I'm on board with Heisman if he gets 346 <laughs> touchdowns. He had a, t- a, a touchdown and an interception. He only ran for 64 yards, didn't didn't have a touchdown on the ground. They lost by 21. Um, this Ole Miss, you know, okay, that one, not his fault. They scored 49. I don't want to hear anything about that being his fault. It also was not like a pivotal game for him. Um, and then they go and play Alabama, and you know he looks really good early on, mostly on the ground. wasn't wasn't dominating through the air, although he, he him and Malik Neighbors did have a good connection early on. Um, he was concussed early in the fourth quarter, had to come out. He actually came back in and then came out. Um, 219 yards through the air, but he did have 163 and a touchdown on the ground. Again, o- only only 28 points um, at the time he came out. I believe they were losing. I think it was 35, uh, 28, they never scored again. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I see some people saying like, Oh, well, Bo Nix can't win because he never had a Heisman moment. Um, it's, this award is not about moments. It's Mm -hmm. about the body of work. Yeah. You were adamant about that
1: the other day. I saw saw it on your, um, yeah, on your, your rankings.
2: People, people get into like, I actually really enjoy the Heisman debates because I feel like some people are actually, I like the nuance of the Heisman debate. Like you can talk about moments versus like, you know, big games versus total stats versus strength of schedule wins. You know, there's, they're actually, that's why I enjoy the Heisman ranking so much. And I do them like I've done them for 10 years now because I feel like there really is a ton that can go into it. But I, I, I'm not sure there's, I I don't care about Heisman moment, but I'm not sure there's a game on the schedule where you could say like, that's a Heisman game. Like, is it, is it the Georgia State game that is like his Heisman game? I mean, other than that, the best performance may be against Ole Miss, where, or or you know, or no, I take that back. Florida, he yeah. had a great performance against Florida. He had uh, well, Florida is not yeah, the powerhouse they were, but Florida, like it's the best performance he had this year. It's not a good team he was going up against, yeah. especially at home. Um, look, I I don't I don't really have a huge problem with him winning. I just I don't know if my vote would be for him, but at the same time, I don't know if it would be for Penix or for Nix. I mean, Nix was so dominant. I, I know, I know who you would,
1: who you would vote for, Ali Gordon.
2: Ali Gordon. He he should be in New York as a as a Heisman finalist. It should be. Well, we'll see what happens today. I mean, even if even in a loss against Texas, if he if he goes off and he's up to like seventeen fifty on the ground with like twenty two touchdowns. I think he should be highest in finalist, not a winner. I think he should be a fourth place finisher. Um, but it, you know, if like if it's Marvin, if he has a big game today, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is a finalist over him, I don't get it. I, I think Malik Neighbors should be a finalist over. I Marvin think Malik Harrison
1: Neighbors and Troy Franklin should be above yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah,
2: or, or even I think Odunze has been just as good as Franklin too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Malik Neighbors. You know, I, I, somebody said in the comments which now you might have seen on the Heisman Post. I see Um, everything. Don't worry. It was like, um, you know, well, how can, how can Marvin Harrison's like the only one who like doesn't have a quarterback, which you you could debate that, but.
1: Sixth best quarterback rating in the country. in
2: In one way. Okay. That's why Marvin Harrison is there over Odunze and Troy Franklin. And because he is not in a high flying offense. And when you look at him with the eye test, he is transforming that offense. Like he against Penn State, he totally bailed them out. Yeah, he, he's that good of a receiver that he can bail out questionable quarterback play. And he's not in the same kind of high flying offense that Malik Neighbors is in, and and Franklin and and Odunze. Um, but I put I, I had to put Neighbors over him, even though I don't think he'll finish over him because the production gap is just so big. I mean, yeah. Neighbors is going out there every week and putting up like 170 yards in the touchdown. I I don't see a comparison between him and Marvin Harrison jr. So I I think Marvin Harrison might get a sympathy invite to New York just for being, they sometimes they invite guys because their brand like Stetson Bennett should not have been there last year and Jabril Pepper should not have been there the year he was there with Michigan. That's, that's how I feel about it. But I think Marvin Harrison is going to be that guy this year. If, if I had a choice I think the finalists should only be those three Penix, Knicks, and Jaden Daniels. They have been such a class above yeah. the rest. If Ollie Gordon really like wins a Big 12 title today, I'll, if I he probably, wins a
1: Big 12 title and runs for 300 yards, yeah, what do you which he
2: probably will have to for them to win, yeah. I'd, probably, I'd probably put him in there. But I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. But I would. I mean, I think he should be top six. Um, oh, we will
1: regardless. see at 12 o'clock. We will see, which is less than an hour at the time of recording, which is less than an hour away. Yeah. So this is beautiful. Well, because
2: don't worry. We're, yeah, we're about to wrap up and then go you know, right into football.
1: In a in a way, I I love the fact that I feel like crap today because <laughs> now I just have an excuse to do absolutely nothing all day and watch football. So like there you go. You know, yeah. Just, despite the fact that I haven't eaten anything in twenty six hours, no, maybe I,
2: I need that diet.
1: Um, you know. Oh no, it's not by choice, Dan. It's, it's <laughs> by necessity. Uh, but yeah, like I, I'm, I'm chilling right now. This is great, but
2: I'll be working for most of it. Starting at a, starting at three 30. Oh,
1: sorry to hear that.
2: Well, well, but working with it. So, you know,
1: yeah, that's like my, I, that's like my dream. Like, you, yeah. like like, the best part is too, like, you know, my fiance puts up with a lot. I watch a <laughs> lot of sports. I do. Uh, not as much as I used to. Cause I don't think that she'd be my fiance if I watched as, my, as much sports as I used to. but. She puts up with a lot. Sometimes she's like, "Can we per- turn something else on, on, please?" You know what I'd like to say sometimes be like, "Babe, I'm working right now. Well, I have to watch this game. <laughs> like that oh, would I'm be built
2: excuse, yeah,
1: yeah. That would be like the best. Where it's just like, I'm sorry. Like I, my hands are tied here. Can't you know, can't do anything. Well, but, look, I mean, I mean, what,
2: how many subscribers did you just hit on YouTube? Almost seven thousand. So it's it's not far from it. Not. That could start bringing in some money for you guys. I mean, well, I mean, I guess it probably already does a little bit, but you, know, oh you could I feel like you could make that, that argument to her that, that this I is try. a necessity.
1: I try, but the problem is that like, I, I do work hard at my job, but I do get a lot of downtime as well. So like I do most of my like player evaluations and stuff while I'm sitting in my truck waiting that, to do That's something. when
2: you're, that's when you're angrily tweeting at NFL Rookie Watch.
1: Oh, dude, I'm telling you, I have my phone. <laughs> It doesn't matter what's going on at work. My phone is in my pocket 100% of the time because I just want to be able to see that X pop up. You're waiting says, on that no, no notification
2: from, from NFL Rookie Watch. I don't Dude, and that. I'm
1: I'm pretty quick with it too. Like I will be – I'll be like one of the top three replies like in terms of time. Like I'm usually one or two. Sometimes I'll miss – if I miss it by like five minutes, I don't even bother because I'm like, all right, no one's going to see it. But Dan's not going to see it rather. Um but yeah, every time you see NFL Rookie Watch.
2: <laughs> you know how like, like No, it's me. <laughs> like the 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 rare semi political moment on this podcast, when Trump was on Twitter, they there would be like the same people in his replies all the time, like calling him out, and they call them like the Trump reply guys. You are the NFL Rookie Watch reply guy. I am. You go to his tweet, we expect to see you there, and yep. we expect it to be fully negative. As oh, yeah, hundred percent. But I come up with some good ones. though. it's not just like I see the same people every once
1: in a while, like tweeting at him, and it's just like you suck. It's like that's not going to get. Listen, he does, but that's not going to get anyone talking. You know,
2: you know what you're doing. You you know the Twitter yeah. game. You know how to how to yeah. how to drum up say, some, uh, some engagement there.
1: I will say I'm an I'm, I'm an engagement fiend for the most part, but I've, I've calmed down a little bit recently because. I'm getting burned out already, dude. I've been I've done so many player evaluations. I just released Kool Aid McKinstry, who has the greatest n- nickname in college ever. Uh, Kool Aid yes. is fantastic. I actually, to full transparency, I was a little nervous because if you saw the thumbnail that I have for the video, I put <laughs> I put a transparent picture of the Kool Aid Man behind him, and you know. It's not. It is not what you would think it is initially. And a lot of people know that. But there's always that one guy that's like, <laughs> what? It's like, are you calling him this because of that? You know what I mean? It's just like. there. Yeah, there's always somebody. I was a little nervous. I even asked for a couple of people's opinions. I was like, do you think that this is, uh, you know, of the racial uh, undertones? Or, <laughs> is it, or is this okay? <laughs> like, but. No, it's it's
2: no, it's uh, literally
1: it's literally his name. I mean, I know, just, but like you like, never know. Like, see, that's, that's the society yeah, that we live in. No, I, I get you.
2: If you, I mean, if you threw it behind like Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, people would people would that start. Would be,
1: oh, you mean Maserati, Marv? <laughs> the worst nickname ever.
2: <laughs> Thank God they didn't make the Big Ten championship because you know we'd be hearing that tonight from Gus Dude, Johnson.
1: By the way, how hilarious is it that Iowa had literally the worst offense in the FBS, and they're in the 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 championship Listen, game.
2: Iowa, Iowa winning tonight would it's be, the, be the single most hilarious thing that's happened in this calendar year. And I'm not even talking sports. I'm talking everything.
1: Imagine if they dropped 50 on Michigan yeah.
2: tonight. <laughs> however, they, however it happens, if they managed to do it, would, would be the most hilarious thing. Yeah. It would be one of the most hilarious things if they, if they had it a game into the fourth quarter. I mean it would be there I mean I don't even want to know what their first half over under is I know for a while it was like near zero. Oh my god. Let me let me see if I can dig that it's up real so quick. So
1: bad. They're like <laughs> I think if I if I recall correctly I was looking at the rankings and they were dead last at so like 9.2 points per game or something like that. It was like utterly egregious.
2: For some reason it for me it only has first half total for the game for the both teams. Um <clears throat> Yeah, that that just looking at like how you could bet on the correct scores, and the top options are like Iowa ten seven, Iowa thirteen ten, <laughs> Iowa fourteen thirteen. Not because they have the best odds, but because they want you to pick those at like plus twenty
1: four thousand. I I honestly would. That's imagine. Hilarious. Imagine being like, all right, babe, I don't gotta I don't gotta work anymore. I just <laughs> I just hit this sweet bet that Iowa's gonna beat uh, Michigan twelve eight. You know, <laughs> for for plus
2: eighty six thousand. <laughs> should we put Iowa in the playoff if that happens?
1: I think uh, they honestly should should get recognition for it.
2: They legitimately won. would if they didn't. If there wasn't like a blown call in, they had a loss to Minnesota where they had like a kick return or punt return, whatever it was, wiped off the board by like just in, a ridiculous call, and they would have won the game if not for that. So they should be. Oh, they don't score on offense. They should so be eleven and one going in here. Yeah, we know nobody else is scoring in that game, so there should be 11-1 going in here. That's so funny. That's all right.
1: I wish Cooper DeGene was playing because I honestly think that I would feel so much better about Iowa actually winning if he was playing, but that's all right. Dude, I mean, like, well, you probably know this and a lot of people know this. Like, DeGene is going to come out as a safety. Like, he's not going to play corner. He's not going to play boundary corner at the NFL level, but he could get some reps at slot, and I got to be honest with you. Having back-to-back years with a white cornerback getting drafted – both out of Iowa. Both out of Iowa. Kind of makes me feel a little cool there. You know what I'm saying? It's okay, Riley it's okay,
2: Moss to, it's okay to feel a little proud. Yeah, I am a little proud. I mean, sometimes yeah. in the NBA when the occasional white guy, you know. Well, they're usually European. It's never – Well, that's, well, that's why guy. I said occasional because, honestly, yeah. the European white guys have taken over the league. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, just having you know, – Did you see the NBA finals? Like, I mean, the best player in the world is this big Serbian guy.
1: He is the – All right. This will but, be the last thing because now we're just going crazy, but – I love just watching Jokic, and the only reason why is because he just he treats the NFL like it's a nine to five desk job.
2: Like he doesn't—he's one of my favorite athletes of all time. Like I'm I'm not—I'm not not kidding when I say that. It's not even because he's fat. It's—it's like (laughs) no, but like the story. I mean, not to get not to get too deep after after calling him fat, but like. (laughs) everything about he I he really is everything about sports that is good because like he is just somebody who is completely completely out of nowhere nobody knew who he was nobody cared who he was when he was drafted he doesn't look like he should be any good he doesn't you know he I mean every every indication is that he should not be an NBA superstar and yet he has the best handles for any big not only, is, not only not only is he an NBA star he's he's probably, we talked about this in June, but he's one of the most unique players the game has ever seen. I, I really, I know the, the game is going toward players like him. and uh, You know, we see a few types, like Franz Wagner with the Magic, who's like, you know, kind of those do-it-all kind of big man. We I'm not sure we'll ever see a player like Nikola Jokic. And we're saying that about somebody not who was a number one pick, not who was, you know, a, a Wemben type of super prospect. Somebody who was completely unknown when he was drafted, completely unknown when he came into the NBA. Um, he actually stayed a year in Europe after he was drafted, completely unknown when he came into the NBA. They had to make a decision between him and Yusuf Narkic, which one to keep and start at center, and they traded Narkic. Good good decision. Yeah, I would, I would um, say so. He, he really is. He, he is an all-time... Special athlete for yeah, you know was. both talent and story, and how now how did we get? We were just talking about Iowa football, so I don't know how we ended up it's here. A, we were talking about Iowa football, and now we're talking about Nikola Jokic. Yep, and I am like giving yeah giving the the, the you know You're monologue about why why Nikola Jokic thing. is everything is everything special in the world.
1: Yeah, after calling him fat too.
2: Well, he's a little he's a little large. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. He's not actually fat. He's NBA fat.
1: What do his horses look like if he rides horses? They got to be like fucking Clydesdale. Let's yeah, gotta, cause you
2: know, he's like, it's one thing to be a little large, like, but he's like, you know, he's tall too. Yeah,
1: but how much does he weigh? He's got to weigh like in the mid 300s, right? Or like, or,
2: let's take a look. I feel like it's less than that, but
1: yeah, probably. It's probably like maybe 290 or he's probably like,
2: he's sneaky athletic. Um, Two eighty four, it says they haven't listed. it
1: 7-foot two eighty four on a horse that yeah. that horse drew the he's, short he's straw. He's listed at six eleven
2: two eighty four.
1: You got to give you got to give that horse the day off after like that. that he's got
2: horse. he's got like eight months off now. Now that Jokic like is playing into June every year,
1: you got to give that horse a, a little time off after he's done. But.
2: but those horses were, uh, were, yeah, they were, they were loving that, that NBA finals run, but they didn't have to deal with him.
1: It was just like, listen, I just want to get this over with so I can go ride my horses. Like, how could you not respect the man that just doesn't give a shit? And, and just, the horses like, were just like, like, no, like, no, 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 no,
2: no, no, stay over there. No, no, stay. We want to be, yeah you know, we want people who are normally sized to, to ride us. <laughs>
1: Oh my God. Well, as every ASN podcast episode goes, that took an interesting turn towards the end there.
2: I don't even know how I'm going to be able to put six, uh, you know, only six things. Can you, can you
1: put, can you do me a favor on the last one? Can you just put, can you just put Nikola Jokic's horses need a break? That's it. That's no context whatsoever. <laughs> there
2: you go. All right. So you already filled out one. We know that's good. Yeah. yeah we, have they, an, they we need a break. We have an agreement there.
1: That's all I want to see on the bottom. They need a break. Absolutely. But, you know that's be the, the beauty of, of this
2: podcast, man.
1: The the extensive knowledge of everything goes into this. That that goes into this podcast is unbelievable. Dan I, I Trace, expect
2: I expect a good episode name after after all that we just did. I got I Between got that I, and the and the Kool Aid Man and the the White Cornerbacks. I mean, it's we, we, it's going to get a racial minutes.
1: <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, no, I I I got a lot of pressure on me to find a, a really good uh, really good title for this one. I'm just going to title it The White Man's Episode.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that'll go over well.
1: Uh, It'll get a lot of clicks, probably. (laughs) All right. Well, on that note, note, totally kidding, hopefully. I won't know until I actually make the title. But all right, everyone. Thank you for listening to this wacky episode 51 of the ASN podcast. Dan, I need you to see us out, big boy.
2: Yeah, episode fifty-one. For some reason, I thought we were on fifty-two. We are not. We we've just been a little, you know, a little slower lately because we're trying to find the right scheduling. But uh, we'll try to hammer out at least a couple more in December. You know, hopefully even more than that. Um, but no, this was this was a good one. This is one of those classic ones where we we. I, to, we came into this. I don't know if we said this when we were recording or before we were. We came into this with like two topics in mind, maybe two and a half if you count the Heisen race as something different than like the Pac-12. And we ended up talking about uh, a billion things, and that's just kind of the way it goes. So we are uh, we're looking forward to episode 52, but I'm I'm um, I'm looking forward to also seeing what name you come up with for this one because it, it's it's a good one.